Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Game of Thrones Season 8, the final season. We did it, people. We did it. Mm-hmm. We're through eight years of work and mm-hmm. here we are. How are you doing, Damask? Overall, I mean, in general, not specifically Game of Thrones right. related. Not specifically Game of Thrones related, though it kind of matches because I'm just exhausted. Exhausted. <laughs> just in life and in TV watching, yes. How about sure. you, bro? Yeah, exhausted is a good word, actually. Mm. Um, that'll come up later in the uh, show as well, I think, the word exhausted <laughs> in some way or another. Indeed. Uh, let's get into things. Before we get to our review, though, there's a couple of things to discuss. As, as aforementioned, this is our 100th episode, and so you might be noticing that things are a little bit different. Number one, we have a new theme song. We do. Mm. So this is exciting. This is from Lucas Heil, who has done our bumpers mm-hmm. from uh, previous episodes. I think we started doing them sort of the start of last year. I can't remember exactly. Uh, he developed a new theme song for us. We're sort of uh, getting a bit done with the old Breaking Bad twangy. That's right. We theme need song. something fresh, something new, something the kids could connect with. Yep, dance to remix, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we have a new theme song. I hope you guys like it. Uh, from now on. Uh, we're not going to be numbering episodes. This will be the last episode we number. We're just going to start sort of calling them by whatever we're reviewing, basically. Apparently, it's bad for SEO. Did, did you know that? I didn't know that. I, there you go. That's what iTunes tells me. So, mm-hmm. even though those milestones are fun and we'll keep track of them still, we're not going to be numbering episodes anymore after this. Off Topic Hot Topic is now going to be a bonus episode between our main review episodes. So, you might remember that we are now doing reviews every other week mm-hmm. um, rather than every week. And so, to fill that gap, I think what we're going to do is move our off-topic, off-topic hot topic stuff into sort of a separate bonus episode that you will get a week after whenever we record sort of our main episodes. That's right. Hopefully, that makes sense to people. Um, however, that being said, this being our 100th, 100th episode, we will include a special listener question off-topic hot topic. So, we will uh, get to that soon. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just quickly... Reflect a little bit on okay. hunting seasons yeah. since this is our 100th episode. We won't take too long. Oh, is this a clip show? Yeah, yeah Are you exactly. Remember the time. We, mm. <laughs> we love clip shows. Mm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of 
reflect back on the last two and a half years or so that we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any? Jeez, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? Just thinking about it in context, Damas. Two and a half years of making the podcast. Um. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I was like, oh, it hasn't been that long. And then I remember us recording the first few episodes. And, and we still live together. And we still live together. First one, we were sitting in your bed and we were quite nervous, I think, to just sit Oh, we had down. no idea what we were doing. No idea what We still have no, no idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, we're total pros now. Um, yeah, it's, it's what a ride. So many hours and hours and hours of not only watching television, but talking about TV. Have we achieved what we wanted to do, though? Like our goal, I mean, the oh, yeah, show I'm has retiring changed a bit. after this episode. <laughs> Our show, uh, the show has changed a bit. We're not so much going back looking, although we're still doing that with like Sopranos and stuff. Our main goal was like go back and watch the TV we should have watched mm-hmm. that we hadn't watched yet. It's still part of the show, but really we've become more about trying to keep up with the stuff that's mm. relevant as well, um, watch new and exciting stuff as it comes up. Um, but we are watching a lot of television. Do you but- feel like... like- at least that goal is being achieved. Yeah, I mean, I think the show has adapted with our lifestyles. That's like true when too. we started it, I had much more free time, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, it'll be perfect excuse to spend all my free time going back and watching the TV that I want to watch." I don't have that luxury anymore, so it's just kind of like a way for me to make sure that I'm at least keeping up with what's coming out right now. Totally. Mm. I think I just also want to take this time to really thank everyone who's helped support the show. First mm-hmm. of all, to our listeners um, and supporters. Um, it's really lovely hearing from people who like the show yeah. and hearing stories of them watching and loving um, th- watching shows because we've talked about them and then loving them as well. I think that's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless it's dead like me and then fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, we don't make anything from this. If anything, we lose money uh, by posting <laughs> this online. So, the lovely messages and feedback mm, we get We shouldn't from, have bought those gold microphones. That, that was, was a, a mistake. bad investment. Was, we were a little bit ahead of ourselves. We were. That's okay. It's true. You live and you learn. <laughs> uh, but the feedback and yeah, messages we get from all of you is hugely important and appreciated. Um, I also just want to thank people who have been on the show up to this point as well. Mm, We've had a a fair few guests along the way. Um, I'd like to keep having more. Um, If anyone's got good suggestions for guests or people who might be interested, love to do that too. Um, But yeah, yeah, I've been really enjoying it so far Mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to the next hundred episodes. It's really kept our friendship alive. That's true. (laughs) Well, yeah, you do wonder if we weren't doing this, would we see each other as much or would we maybe, would it be different because we don't have this like, job that we do together now yeah we would be spending friendship time together whereas like because we've had to work really hard to like you came over to watch uh spider-man to the spider-verse and we have dinner it was like wow it's been ages since we just hung out just hung out it'd been so long look i don't want to say it was like a year but it might like it it could have been because yeah we we have very limited spare time Mm. that isn't already filled with like watching a shit ton of tv and a billion jobs and so, our only usually my only free night is sitting in this room with you doing exactly this. I, sh- I show up. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah. You've already set up the thing. Got to go. We got to record because I got to get to bed. All right, let's record. Do it. Awesome. Okay, got to go. Bye. <laughs> that's, that's the friendship. Little hug. That's 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 all, that's all we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this why you've become a Richmond supporter? Just another excuse to be my just friendster. to be around you. Wow, that's yeah. lovely. I'll take it. All right, let's get to our very special episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. 
That's whatever you were talking about for you. As I mentioned, this is a special version of Off Topic Hot Topic. We're not talking about the news. We're not talking about things we've watched outside of Game of Thrones. But we do have questions from listeners. We asked people to send us stuff. They had any burning questions. Now is the time. We promise we talk about them on this special episode. So, let's start with our first question mm. from Steve Supersonic Jeffrey. You can find him on Twitter at Zinkstote. Uh, I think he wants us to... Put that out there. Go follow Steve. He's a great follow. You, so you didn't ask. Didn't ask. Yeah. Hey, Steve, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't want this, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, his Unfollow. Unfollow. Yeah, uh, his question. Okay, I'll pose a question. From your first 100 episodes, can each of you pick one standout series or season of television that you've covered? Easy one, right? Mm, uh, thanks, who wants to go Steve. first? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Can you go first? Sure, sure. Because I've 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 got two on my list, and I know that's cheating. So I feel like as you speak, I will be able to choose one. I mean, I've I've also cheated a little bit. I, I have no. I've come to a singular one. I'm going to give like talk. Like just watch. Okay, uh, just watch. Just watch. Like just, he's some sort listen. of master, <laughs> a magician. Yeah, that's it. Just watch it happen. Here's the prestige. Look at his hand. Look at his hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could. I think the easy thing for me to do here would be to cheat and just say well, Avatar The Last Airbender because mm-hmm. I truly believe it is the best show ever made. Okay. Like, yep. I love that show to mm-hmm. death. But I won't choose that one. I think we've been lucky to mostly cover great stuff on the show. Not completely, but mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has been excellent so far. I've loved the first two seasons of that. Yep. True Detective Season 1 um, is a masterpiece we discovered as we re- rewatched that. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy we got to watch The Wire, which is mm. absolutely essential watching for TV buffs. And the more I think about it, the more important it is in terms of informing like peak TV these days. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones included. We'll come back to that later. Uh, Bojack Horseman blew me away. Got really into that. Barry season one. Can't wait to watch season two. Glow, American Vandal. Lots of good shows. But right now... <laughs> Just listing all of them. Yeah, go true, on. True. Go on. But right now... Fucking cheater. And yeah. <laughs> I do worry this might be recency bias. But I can't stop thinking. I'm still to this day thinking a lot about Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. Like, really thinking about it. That was a contender for me, definitely. I, I think it might be the best, most self-assured singular season of a currently complete se- se- TV series. We don't know if there's any more coming. Of TV I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, the more I love it. And the more I wish I'd given it the official five stars on the podcast. So, I'm using my special 100th episode powers to <laughs> rectify that. My Russian Doll season one score is officially five stars. Retconning. Bam. We're retconning Ret- now on the podcast. Retconning. It was okay. either that or a musical episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, we should have. Oh, next. 200. 200? Yeah. Musical episode. Yeah. 300 clip show. Love we it. don't have time to record these, let alone write music. <laughs> oh, it'll be all improv. improv. Yeah. We'll get Shawnee in. Mm-hmm. He can, like, play something for Put us. Put down a sick beat. And Lucas. Yeah, yeah. They can do that. And then we'll just start riffing. All right. right. It sounds like it's going to work. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Looking forward to that. Uh, Damask, what do you think? <laughs> all right. So. Mm, it was very hard to choose between two um, and for very different, very different reasons. Okay. Um, and I thought as you were talking, I would figure it out, <laughs> but I haven't. Just cheat like me. Um, yeah. So, one show I think that, I mean, both these shows I would recommend to everyone, but one show that was truly shocking to me that we watched that I was like, whoa, I am connecting to this in a way I did not see coming. It feels very important for me right now. And I think 
I know it's unlike anything I've seen before with what it's doing. Mm. And it continues to get better and progress and is one of the best shows on TV right now. Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, It's got a very special place in my heart. It's a journey that I didn't expect for them to take, nor is it a story that I expected to connect with at all. Mm -hmm. But I did and I loved it. And, oh, it's... It's fucking amazing. It is it, it truly is amazing. Excellent show. Have you watched any of... What's that new one called? Tuka and Birdie? I watched the first episode. A bit iffy on it, but mm. all I've heard is that it just gets better and better and like I'll, I'll really enjoy it. I just haven't had time to watch yep. uh, the rest of it, but I will. Um, so, I don't think that first episode is... in at all indicative of what the show is. So I think sometimes you just got to get used to it. It's a lot It's a lot of style. Like, it's yeah. really out mm-hmm. there straight away. Yeah. Um, and you just got to get in tune with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other one was going to be Glow. Glow, yeah. Like, season one of Glow, I thought was just... So, I guess Bojack Horseman is the series. Yeah. If I could then choose a season, it would be season one of Glow. Sure. If I can do that by cheating. I like it. No, um, you answered the two parts yeah. <laughs> of the question, sort of. You're like, if you prefer this mm. or if you want this, yeah. I've got an answer for both. But both yeah, ways. Glow was just... I mean, as a little girl, I loved wrestling and I was a little tomboy and to watch these kick-ass women, this like high energy show, fucking awesome music, some of the best performances on television of that year. Um, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin is my just my favourite actress, full stop. Um, it's, it's an incredible show and I encourage anyone to watch it. Definitely. Steve actually had a second question for us. As a follow-up, is there a series near your hearts that you haven't covered but want to eventually? Keep up the good work, you lovely people. Mm, I am lovely. Uh, you can answer this one first. I mean, I would love to do Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favourite shows of all time. and I think it goes on a very interesting uh, journey throughout its seasons and it truly does evolve. And they're some of like, the best shows to review because every season we have such a different experience of it. It also ends in an interesting way, which I think could be... Um, That'd be interesting to talk about now too. Yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Parks and Recreation. It's just scary to talk about something that you love so much. Sure. So, I'm hesitant to talk about that. I, I'm very hesitant to talk about something like Buffy um, for a similar reason, but also because there's so much conversation around Buffy already. I'm not yeah. sure what I could add. But, yeah, I would love to talk about Parks and Recreation. Leslie Nope is one of my favourite characters, if not, you know, my favourite character mm-hmm. of all time. Um, yeah, I think it would be nice to talk about. It'd be fun to re-explore Parks I think and Rec. So. We both love that show mm-hmm. through mo- pretty much its entire run. Mm. Season one sucks. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. I would love to talk about Buffy. And I think I'd love to t- talk about Buffy because I feel like I have not actually watched it now in so long. Mm. Like it was a show it was a show that we bonded over. It's a yeah. show that I, a lot of my friends actually, I, I remember meeting friends in at uni who I, we bonded over Buffy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And like loving it when I was in high school, but it's like... It's weird for me to think I've been out of uni for eight years, coming up, not whatever. Like, I've been out away from Buffy for a long time now. You're I, old man. I'm still in uni. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lucky you. I miss yeah, uni. I'm a kid. No, I don't. I got out you of uni don't. after six years because, like, boy, I'm sick of uni. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the there's certain episodes I've definitely rewatched. Like, I can basically do Once More Feeling by heart. Oh, let's like, do it right now. Musical <laughs> episode. <laughs> let's do it. So it evolves into it. It'd be amazing. Uh, 
But I would love to go back and really watch it again mm-hmm. now with a bit more of a critical eye and understanding where things are going to go. I'd, I'd love to do Buffy, actually. And you're right. There's a lot of good Buffy stuff out there already. But, yeah, I don't know. For myself, I'm fascinated to go back. Mm-hmm. I would also love to do Community. Mm, I think yeah. each seat, like similar to Parks and Rec, each season is fascinating and worth talking about for their own reasons. Mm. And season two is still probably... If not my favourite, one of my favourite seasons of any show ever. I adore, utterly adore season two of Community. Mm. And it would be really fun to talk about that. I know you're hesitant to talk about things you love. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed talking about Avatar. Like, yeah. really enjoyed talking about Avatar. Mm. And that think, might be... Yeah, I'm also... It's hard when I think about... Particularly with something like Parks and Recreation and The Office is also another one that I would love to talk about. Mm. Um I find talking about comedy yeah. a little bit more difficult. True. And it's not impossible, but I, yeah. Well, I guess it just depends on, I mean, both of those shows you can talk around the comedy though. Like the comedy is a feature, mm. but it's hard to just talk about humor necessarily. You yeah. can talk about the highs and the lows. Yeah, because we did like The Good Place, but there's so much like world building and like such a much bigger story there. There so is kind enough of character work in Parks and Rec and Community. I know, I'm just being things. scared, that's all. And The Office. Yeah. And you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. What am I, what am I talking about? <laughs> I've got office. no idea. Um, and there's also shows that we haven't watched that we still want to get around to watching. We've watched season one of The Sopranos. Want to do that. Mm-hmm. Want to do Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Want to do Mad Men. Mm-hmm. There's, lo- there's a lot of that too. I don't really want to do Mad Men, but we will do it. But we'll ha- I think we should. <laughs> we should. We probably should. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from Sean. Kirkpatrick, uh, graphic designer extraordinaire and great guy who you can hear on our The Good Place episodes. Mm. The Good Place. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at ShawneeBoyDraws. Um, his question, when was the last time a TV show you adored broke mm. your heart with a bad narrative choice? And if you have time, what choice would would you have preferred? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to go first this time? Yeah, you can go first. All right. I hope you don't. I don't think you're gonna take mine. So I sure. Doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the the question's hard because it's got to be a narrative choice that broke my heart from a show I already adored. Yes. Right. That's that's, that's really tricky mm-hmm. because like one that came to mind straight away was we were talking about this recently. Spoilers for Cora, the Legend of Cora, for a second. Yeah. So skip ahead a couple of maybe a minute. Yeah, about to say broad talk. So go a minute ahead. Minute, minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> is I really feel like do believe that Tenzin should have died at the end of Korra Season 3. And the more I think about it, the more I believe that. In fact, after our discussion, I had a brainwave as to mm. why that also would have been great for Korra's story in terms of where that left Janora as having to sort of step up into a position of like power and responsibility. And then Korra would have to become her mentor. Mm-hmm. I was really annoyed we didn't get to talk about that on the episode because I thought of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And like, There's a lot of reasons that would have worked. Mm-hmm. So it didn't break my heart. That decision, yeah. but I really feel like it was a missed opportunity. Um, one that I kind of did think of mm. was the final. Okay, spoiler. This is the problem we're talking about. This we have to talk about spoilers. Yeah, spoilers for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Mm-hmm. The final shot of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two, which is it's not the actual thing that happens. It that it's that's the image we leave the show on. Right, I don't even remember it. You know, so about she's about to go off, and she's about to tour through the states or through Europe with that um, singer, 
And oh, yeah. she goes back to Joel mm-hmm. and they like have like what like they start kissing basically mm-hmm. and they're like it's not implying that they're getting back together or anything, but she's gone back to him and they're gonna have this moment, this night together. Which I don't like as much as I hate Joel and have learnt to not hate him as much, but still generally don't like Joel. Mm. And I understand that this is a lot about their ongoing relationship, what their relationship's gonna mature into as they go down their different paths now. Mm. It just still frustrates me that that image of her about to take off and really try this on her own has to end with him. Mm-hmm. You could have just gone even one shot more and had her like getting on that plane or something. Yeah. And that would have just reminded me this is about Midge. And mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be about Joel right now. Yeah. It can be about Joel later. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be right now. That mm-hmm. one breaks my heart a little bit. Uh, How many up- do you have? How many heartbreaks have you experienced? <laughs> Um, I don't know. That These seems no, seem like the disappointing one. crushes. To be I don't honest really, with you, I really don't know if I've got. I, I, I think if I love the show, I'm not mm. sure. I don't know. What's yours? Maybe you've got some clarity. Because I, yeah, I struggle to think of one. Because I did think of one. I was like, oh, that's not a bad narrative choice. It's just a moment in a TV show that hurt me quite deeply. Yep. Um, and spoilers for Buffy, but like when Tara dies. Yes, that's not a bad narrative choice. Yeah, no, that that's why. So yeah. I wrote that. I was like, well, that's not answering the question. Yeah. Though, in, while it does work for the story, I think the bury your gaze thing is sure. a yeah, crappy trope. Um, and that's part of that. But anyway, uh, but it does work for the story. I mean, was that, one, that was the that was before it was a trope, though. Surely, in a um, lot of it was before it was recognised as a trope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but the one. It it came to me. I was like, oh, "Yes, absolutely, this okay. is it." Spoilers for Doctor Who. Ooh, oh, my, I know yeah. what it is, and you're right. Yeah. That's a good one. My favorite character yeah. in Doctor Who of all time is Donna. Yeah. And when they erased her memory, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. I felt as though her whole journey was to discover that she was more than her image of herself. She always thought she was nothing. You know, she, at the beginning she wanted a hubby to make her feel special. But instead she became the most important person in existence. And then they deleted her memory and her entire journey. And then to somehow make up for it, they gave her a fucking lottery ticket and she won. That's the bit. And I just like... For months and months and months after I watched that happen to Donna, I I would just stop and I was like, I wish she knew. Like, I just wanted Donna to know, like, that that was her story. And to erase it (laughs) was, it felt awful to me. And And I was like, well, what was the fucking point? Like, what an incredible... De- like character development like she's come so far and then to take it all away from her which i was devastated it broke my heart yeah that's that's i agree with you but it's not necessarily for the choice to have her forget because i think the tragedy of it the heartbreak of that i can handle the bit that the bad narrative choice the bit that pisses me off is in that final episode that new year's episode where tenet regenerates where they make her a millionaire or whatever, she wins the lottery. It's like, that is not 
any sort of like... That's the nothing stuff that she'd always wanted to surround herself with to give her importance. That doesn't make her important. It's who she is as a person inside that makes her important. So, yeah, it doesn't fuck... It's crap. It's counterintuitive to what you're saying. That's why that bit sucks. Mm -hmm. And they've made it seem like... That the Doctor had done something good and he had done the opposite, I think. Yes. That one really sucks. Actually, I think Doctor Who, without thinking of specific examples necessarily, Doctor Who has a bad habit of like trying to find the middle ground or find happy endings and undoing stuff sometimes Mm. when it shouldn't. You know, doing something and taking it back a little bit to make it less important or less meaningful. And that is a problem that show has in general. I'm thinking of stuff with Rose. She gets like this... Dr. Doppelganger thing that's a bit weird at the end. That's like a happy ending, but not. I don't know. Mm. There's a lot of people die, but then they're not really dead sort of thing. Or they, you find that they do die in that place, but they're going to have some long life before they go back. Like, it's like that's, it's like sometimes you just got to follow through with the consequences and let that sit. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I feel like if Donna thing had happened, the tragedy of that would have felt better. Anyway. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Thank Better than my much. answer. Thank you very much. Uh, final question mm-hmm. from my very own brother, Liam Gordis. <gasps> finding on Twitter at Liam Gordis. Mm. Uh, this question is for Damask. Mm. Why should Broad watch The Office? Great question, Liam. The answer is I've already watched The Office, so don't worry about it. We, uh, It's fine. You haven't watched The Office? Yeah, I've, I've watched The Office. Oh, the UK one? Yeah, two, two seasons and a Christmas special. It's done. Let's move on. You're an idiot. Um, so the <laughs> the reason Brad the should watch The Office is because it is a masterclass in character development. It takes simple one joke characters and weaves them into nuanced, truly realized people that will make you cry with laughter and absolutely break your fucking heart. This series understands what love is. It understands what sorrow is. It understands what pure joy is. It's the kind of show that acknowledges your pain while sewing up your wounds. It is my absolute favourite. And that should be recommendation enough. The more I get recommended to me, the less I want to... That's not true. We'll get to it one day. <laughs> Sounded like me. Yeah. <laughs> just just got to push back. That's right. You're only punishing yourself. It's fine. Let's get to our... Oh, so thank you, everybody, for uh, sending Jeez. questions. Really appreciate that. Uh, that was quite fun. If you ever have questions, feel free to send them in. We may talk about them in Off Topic Hot Topic. But right now, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Game of Thrones Season 8. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After eight long years, the pop culture phenomenon that is Game of Thrones is finally coming to a close. Not much has changed behind the scenes from the last season to this one. Any actors who haven't returned probably couldn't because their characters are dead, and there really wasn't any room left for any new characters that weren't more than very minor parts. Season 8 consists of just six episodes, though many of these episodes push into almost feature film runtimes, ranging from 50 minutes to a full hour and 17, and took us approximately 6 hours and 45 minutes to watch. The final episode had nearly 20 million viewers, a combination of live TV and streaming viewers, in the USA, the largest audience for any HBO original series ever. A number of spin-offs, spin-off shows are in development, though only one has been given a green light for production at this point. So, before we get into our spoiler-free review, Damask, 
we should just remember, sort of remind the listeners um, what our thoughts were on Game of Thrones up to this point, and specifically what we thought of Season 7. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown there? Yep. So, I read the first few books before the show started, and then watched the show, loved the show for a very, very long time. Um, I was hooked. I was a huge Game of Thrones fan. Then... Um, season seven happened in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it happened. I like that. It happened, and I was very concerned. I find my I found myself no longer invested in what was happening to these characters. I felt as though um, I was being shocked more than I was intrigued by what was happening on screen, and that was disappointing for me. A lot of the characters that I had loved for so long, I just wasn't interested in them anymore. And I was very nervous going into season eight. Mm. Totally. Uh, yes, I haven't read the books. I tried listening to the audiobook of the first book and stopped when Tyrion had a Irish accent. Oh, to be sure, to be sure. <sighs> yeah, couldn't handle that. Um, but yeah, loved the show. Started around the end of season one. Sort of big events happened in there. Spoilers, so I won't mention it. Um, which got me into it and then followed along ever since then. Season seven. Well, I just listened back to our season seven episode recently mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, there was bits to be worried about. We definitely felt like the show was rushing to get mm-hmm. places. We felt like it was taking shortcuts. Um, we enjoyed a lot of the spectacle, mm-hmm. but there was some sort of dumb choices being made. Mm. I think we tried... One of the things I think we hoped was that it was just taking some shortcuts to get to a place where get it could breathe point. at yes. the end. It's like mm-hmm. you understand that there was a lot to wrangle mm-hmm. you know, to bring this this show that sort of the characters have been expanding outward and start them to come together again. And there was a lot to sort of wrangle back in to mm. get to a conclusion. Yeah. So, we sort of hoped that that was what was happening. There's a sacrifice to be made for the ultimate good to have a fabulous ending. Exactly. Yeah. Though I... I don't think I necessarily felt... I mean, I felt worried, but I wasn't, like, completely checked out at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, me either. Um, I think what was interesting, though, was because it's been so long between seasons, it's been mm. two years, I was surprised how little I was excited for it coming back this last season. You'd think that it should be really exciting. Because mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because it came out start of April, whenever it was, started again. And Avengers Endgame came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. In a way, the MCU has been the other long-running TV series I've been enjoying that came to a conclusion at the same time. Yeah. And my excitement for Endgame was massive and my excitement for Game of Thrones was surprisingly muted. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Um, so, did you have... What were you expecting going into this final six episodes? Or what were you hoping, maybe? Oh, what was I... I, I think that's... The thing is exactly what you're saying is that I wasn't excited and so I didn't really have any expectations. Mm. I knew that I wanted it to be good, obviously, um, but I, I just didn't want to, like, before the show started and even during when we were watching week to week, I wasn't reading anything about it. I wasn't listening to podcasts. I wasn't doing any of that because I just didn't want to attach any expectations to it at all. Sure. I didn't want to go into like a scene being like, oh, I wonder if this thing, this theory I read might be coming true right now or Mm. if I hope that happens and it doesn't, I don't want to be disappointed just because I have a random expectation there. So I really just went into it completely blank, just being like, I'm just going to sit back 
And if I just naturally enjoy it, fuck yeah, awesome. And if I don't, then I can like critically analyze it as to like why me as a person myself don't like this particular story. The other thing we did that we've been doing for a while now is we made it a point to watch, make this appointment viewing every week. We didn't binge this like we do with some shows. We've loved doing this, making a community thing Mm -hmm. from very early on. We've been watching this show together as a group. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did that again this year. We did. We made it a thing we watched every week um, and watched as a group. And that is the best way to watch Game of Thrones, though, I think. That's been a great part of Game of Thrones. Um, So you haven't gone back and like rewatched the show really through anything like that. No. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. I think a lot of people have tried to do that before Mm -hmm. the season as well. I didn't, but two of my housemates, one housemate Mm. watched it from beginning to end for the first time in a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. And the other one, um, my brother Liam, was re-watching it through. Yeah. So, I got to glimpse lots of it. And it was great when they're like, I'm in the kitchen doing something they're watching in our lounge room and like, I know what's about to happen. And like, (laughs) just walk in and sort of just, you know, glance at the TV and glance at this person who's never watched it before and what their reaction is. Uh, So, that was quite enjoyable and a good way to just sort of almost go through some of the greatest of moments Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, remember what it was that was so great about the show. So, all that being said... Can you please give us your spoiler-free review of Game of Thrones' final season? I can. So, a lot happens this season. Duh. It's the final. But how is it possible that I don't care? It's not that I don't care about the events that occur exactly themselves. It's how they've been presented that's the problem. I guess it's because I only care about what happens to these characters if I care about the characters themselves. But I don't think I really know them anymore. I don't mean that they're somehow so unrecognisable that I can't tell who they are. I, I can. They're still vaguely, you know, the characters I remember. I mean, it's more that I've not been privy to their inner life for a very long time. I no longer understand their internal processes. I don't really understand many of their decisions because I just don't have access to why they're being made and I don't see how the events around them affect them as fully realized characters you know where are the quiet moments where are the many small cuts that turn a healing wound into an irreparable scar where is the time spent on any of this it's not here it's just not here to put it simply Season 8 was a rush job, which is hilarious because it took a billion years to make. There was no time spent on character. It was all plot. And I don't watch TV for that. And you might, and there is nothing wrong with that. This season may have given you everything you have wanted. And for that, fuck yes, that's awesome for you. But unfortunately, it didn't give me what I wanted. And it didn't give its characters what they needed, which was time. This show spent much of its span subverting expectations of the fantasy genre. This was not about black and white, bad versus good. It was about the minutiae of evil, of the ignorance in goodness. It was messy and murky. And Game of Thrones stopped being that show. You know, red arrows pointed to, the, to those that were baddies and blindingly bright halos shone, shone above those that were good. I knew what was coming. And when I didn't, it wasn't because the writers were able to twist my expectations in a clever and narratively satisfying way. It was because they wanted to shock me. That was it. Shock for shock's sake. And I don't like that. I'll never want shock over intrigue and character development. I had very few expectations, but I did have high hopes for this season. 
I am disappointed, very disappointed. Broderick. This season has so much going for it. Mm-hmm. Spectacle. Visually, both in terms of fidelity and in terms of visual storytelling, this show has never been better. This is especially true of The Long Night, The Bells of the Iron Th- uh, the Bells and the Iron Throne. Miguel Sapochnik as director really knows how to shoot violence and chaos. Mm-hmm. The score, Ramin Beautiful. R- R- yep. Uh Ramin Jawadi, I believe say say his name, is asked to do a lot of heavy lifting and knocks it out of the park throughout. I especially love his work in a pivotal sequence in episode three that reminded me of some of the stuff he did in Westworld in all the best ways, which is you know, weird because we didn't like season two, but <laughs> seriously. Performances in this show, just about everyone has done their best work, um, or at least the best work they can do with what they've been given. Kit Harrington is still kind of a bit flat overall for me, but everyone else, especially Amelia Clark, Nikolai Costa-Walter, Maisie Williams, and Peter Dinklage are doing Emmy-worthy work. I think Lena Headey's great as well, though we don't see enough of her for me to necessarily say she stands out much this season. Um, but they all deserve the praise they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, okay. However... <laughs> I just want to say Lena Headey is the best and she should get an Emmy this year. Anyway, go on. Does she... Can, uh, we'll talk about this in spoilers. Okay. I'm not sure she had enough screen time. I don't care. I don't care. She sure. deserves it. Listen, she deserves it as a body of work. Mm-hmm. She absolutely should. Well, that's get how it. people generally get awards. It's well, not for the actual thing. It's for what came before. If that how she, if that's how she gets it, I'd be for that. Anyway, however, ultimately, this final season of Game of Thrones was a massive letdown. I almost didn't want to talk, to record tonight's episode for a couple of reasons. Firstly, this is our 100th episode. We should be talking about something great and celebrating all that TV can achieve and has become. And secondly, because what can we possibly add that hasn't already been said at this point? Mm. The conversation around this show over the internet, especially through social social media, has become, and this is the word you mentioned earlier, exhausting. I'm almost numb at this point, reading and thinking about it, to the point where I half-joked to Damask this week that we should just review a fictitious version of Season 8 that is completely off the walls bonkers, but also is super satisfying. Game of Thrones has literally, not really, driven me crazy. But we will go on and hopefully find a way to not get too lost or bogged down in nitpicking and complaining, discuss the positives too, and find something insightful to add to this conversation. But know this... In the end, the problem with this season is clear. Season 8 fails its foundation, the writing. Ever since the show ran out of books to adapt, it has been getting progressively worse and worse, and this is the inevitable conclusion. A show that was once um, meticulously paced and chock full of delicious dialogue found itself off the beaten track and sprinted to a clumsy, clunky, disappointing finish. There is more to be said, but it's hard to do, especially when we're talking about a final season, without talking spoilers, so we'll do it then. But that is my general thoughts overall. Mm-hmm. Yes? Just as you were talking then, I, this image appeared in my mind mm. of someone running the hurdles. Yeah. And they just, like, the tip of their toe hits one. Yeah. And then they lose yeah. their stepping, and then they just kind of, like, hit the next one a bit harder until they just, like, are in a collapsed heap just covered in hurdles. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, no. And then they're just down on the ground. <laughs> That's what I pictured as you described the progress of these seasons. There were eight hurdles. There were eight. <laughs> Clear the first one. Yeah. Flew over the second one. Mm-hmm. Third. Oh, fourth, bam. 
fifth. Oh, just, oh, just no. Dick, oh, oh like no, it's lost their pacing. So oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the image I saw. I love it. Mm. Uh, final score uh, for you, Damascus. We won't bother about rankings. We're going to rank all eight yeah. seasons here. What's um, your score? This show, comparatively to a lot, is fucking great. It's like in it's a lot be- of ways. In a lot of ways, great it's stuff. Beautifully shot. Yeah, performances are great. The set dressing, the sets, mm. costumes, the costumes, score. fucking hell, mm. great. So it's not bad. So I'm going to give it a three. I'm also giving it a three. Yeah, because we're going to talk very passionately about why this disappointed us, and that's part of it too. Is that we have a lot of passion for this show, mm-hmm. and so the disappointment comes not from it being terrible. It comes from it being Missing the mark when you know it could have hit the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. It had so much else going right to get what it got wrong is frustrating, disappointing. But I, yeah, there's still a lot of positives to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We can. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 to 8 of Game of Thrones. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Game of Thrones in its entirety. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. What? Went wrong. Damask? Great question. What went wrong? What went wrong? Mm. Um, hmm. <laughs> it's a big question. It's a big question. And I, I think there's ha- a lot of answers. Yeah. I I was reading an article by Alan Seppenwall, yes. who's just the fucking best. He is like, great. He just, the way he writes about television just gets me wet. For me to buy um, his um, Sopranos book before I. Does he have one? believe it's Alan Seppenwall. I'm pretty sure that's. Probs. Me. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he did a big. He's got like a huge blog series on the Soprano, so it wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, he um he kind of wrote this thing for he kind of he definitely did write this thing for Rolling Stone, which is just kind of asking the question of like, what is this show about? Mm. And so I'm just going to quote what he wrote here because I think it really speaks to perhaps what the issue was in these later seasons. Okay, so he says. I once had a debate with a noted TV producer who didn't like Mad Men and asked me how 
and asked me to articulate what it was about and what it really had to say about those subjects. I argued that Mad Men had a lot to say about a lot of things, masculinity and feminism, to name just two. But that pointed question, what is it about, occurred to me often over these eight seasons of Game of Thrones. It was about power and about the moral complexities of wielding power. How, for instance, a cruel oligarch like Tywin Lannister could be a more effective de facto ruler of Westeros than an honourable and kind man like Ned Stark. And it was, at times, about the ways marginalised people, whether women like Sansa or the cripples, bastards and broken things, about which Tyrion liked to wax poetic, deserved more credit and a better seat at the table than society wanted to give them. But it was only about those themes and a few others to the extent that they didn't interfere in the what happens next of it all. Now, there's no sin in focusing first and foremost on a relentless and thrilling narrative. Thrones operated on a level of ambition that never seemed remotely possible for television, and it usually did so smashingly. But when that's the goal above everything else, that puts exponentially more weight on what's happening next to be great. When we get to watch Brienne tease out Jamie's better nature or watch Sansa learn how to outmaneuver Littlefinger, it can be incredibly satisfying. When instead we're spending the better part of a season watching Ramsay Snow mutilate and emotionally torture Theon Greyjoy, or when Danny's turn into villainy feels rushed because Benioff and Weiss wanted to do shorter seasons at the end, it hurts more because there's not as much below the surface. That goes doubly so for the series finale. The plot holes loom terribly large because the plot is nearly all we have at this stage of things. And I, I mean, there's a lot there, but I think really what it is, as the further we went along, it really became more and more about what's happening next. And so all of that lovely depth that we had at the beginning, all of those beautiful layers of characters and intrigue as they thinned out by the time we got towards the end and these big things were happening there was very little substance there and so it felt shallow. It felt less than. I want to talk about sort of the two examples he gave of it, you know, when things went poorly. Danny, definitely, and we'll talk about that probably in great detail as we go along. The, it's interesting he mentions the stuff between Ramsay Bolton and Theon because I remember at the time mm. there was a lot of talk about how that oh. was gratuitous, but it was surprising how much I thought the, the character of Theon and Reek was mm-hmm. really effective to the point where I thought they've actually justified a lot of this. Mm-hmm. But then what also happened alongside it was Ramsay became a really central figure in the storyline for a long time to the point where the continued gratuitous nature of Ramsay and the not ever really understanding particularly well what made him tick, what mm. made him develop into the sort of person that he was, r- that never happened. And so with, that like, got less The character of Ramsay is probably one of the reasons I will most likely never rewatch Game of Thrones again. Right. I don't want to watch that shit you again. You couldn't just I, skip those scenes? I mean, I did when we watched it for the first time. Like, there was certain scenes where I was like, all right, this is the 17th time I've yeah, seen yeah, this yeah. guy do shit like that. But, he's, but the thing is, he becomes such a central figure of, you know, those seasons. Mm. It's, it's fucking tiresome. Um, but yes, the... The rushed nature of things is definitely a big part of this mm-hmm. as well. It's not just... it's Because I think one of the things I want to argue, and one of the things that I've argued, especially since episode five, mm-hmm. especially since the Danny turn, the big moment where she decides to torch King's Landing. Tor- torch King's Landing. Episode five, yeah. Episode five. Did I say season five? Episode five. Mm-hmm. 
Still doing even in episode 100 of this podcast. I'm saying that. Um, I, the biggest problem for me is not necessarily where we end up. I believe that a lot of the places we end up and go are good. Mm. It's the the work to get there that mm. used to be done really well. Yeah. Isn't being done anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. Like that's what I was saying. Like the the character development, the layers that yes. we used to be able to hold on to yep. are no longer there. So you you have to infuse depth where the writers haven't done it for you. Yeah, you guys should have done that stuff. for us. Yeah. And there's a big talk about coming into the season, actually, even before episode five, people were talking about how it's sort of skipping its second acts, mm-hmm. right? So what we used to have a lot of the time was people just even literally talking about going from one place, location geographically to another. Mm-hmm. And we would see them on the road getting there mm-hmm. because that's where the interesting stuff was happening. The talking Jamie in between. And Jamie and Brian. Yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, not Sansa. What's the other one? Aya and the Hound. The other one. The other one. Uh, like these people on the road talking and like learning about each other and growing together or apart or whatever it might be was all there. And mm-hmm. that's where the bones were so that when you got to the place and something happened, you really understood why things were happening the way they were. Yeah. That was the joy of the show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that disappeared. And it wasn't It wasn't just that it disappeared. It's like Theon at the end of last season says, I'm going to get Yara. And in episode one, he shows up, has somehow, without any idea of how, is on that boat in the Greyjoy fleet without saying a goddamn word, is in there as released her and they're out. Mm-hmm. It's like that should be a big moment for Theon. We didn't do the work to earn that big moment. Mm-hmm. The act two was gone. Yeah, the yeah the the kicked dog has suddenly got his bite back. We should know exactly how that has happened. Yes, especially because with him, he'd had some of his bite back and then he regressed. Yeah, and that was an important. And that point. was tragic. That was why she mm-hmm. was captured, and so he had to pick himself up again to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's and we he just did off screen. Yeah. We just don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could feel that in things like the rush nature. People noted, one of the things people, I think just casual viewers noted was like, everyone teleports around Westeros now. Like, people are just wherever they need to be. Mm-hmm. There's n- yeah. And that is true of like character mm-hmm. beats. Things Do you happen- remember like in the early seasons when something was happening on the other side of Westeros and other characters had to get there. That was a huge part of the tension was like, fuck, it's so far away like that you can't just be somewhere where you might need to be. And so there is a possibility that this big thing is going to happen before you get there. And we might have a few episodes before that big thing happens, but our heroes miss out because it took too fucking long and that is tragic. So imagine like season eight. Um, so sorry, not season eight, season four, which is personally my favourite episode, favourite season. God damn it. Jeez, bro. I'm really, yeah, doing well here. <laughs> um, is the trial of Tyrion. So, um, uh, Joffrey, rest in peace, uh, <laughs> dies early on that season. Mm. He's accused of being the murderer. He's put on trial. And so, at the end of the trial episode, he sort of like turns on everyone. Everything is working against him at that moment. He just sort of like in utter desperation and rage and... All of these sorts of things is like, I wish you're all dead and I'm going to fuck this whole thing over by asking for a trial by combat. Mm -hmm. What would have happened in this season is we would have gone directly to the trial by combat in the next episode. Mm -hmm. Instead, back then we got him in a cell 
talking to a number of people, talking to Jamie, talking to Oberon, who eventually says he'll do it for him. Yes. But that that is the sort of thing that they skipped mm-hmm. this season. Um, another way I talk, I put it, not to harp on this for too long, was I felt like a lot of the time people, especially with the Danny turn, a lot of people said to me, well, these are all the reasons she did what she did. Here's this event happened. Mesende mm. was killed. Uh, John is no longer her lover, so broke up with her. Uh, Jorah died, all these sorts of things. Those are the ingredients. Mm-hmm. But don't show me the ingredients and tell me it's a cake. Yeah. You have you gotta to bake it, baby. You gotta mix that shit together you and you gotta bake, bake it, it and you gotta give it the love and attention Put it deserves. The timer on. Yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. that is not a cake until you do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are trying to tell me. That this delicious this is a delicious cake. I'm looking yeah. at going, that is the part. Well, yeah, that's like what I was saying before. It's like, I'm not an idiot. Yes, I can connect those dots i can you know get some gloves on and work really hard to do that (laughs) of course i can that's not my job as a viewer yes you're meant to be telling me a story i'm not meant to infer the story because it's not there that's absurd i shouldn't have to do that yeah i think if a huge portion of your audience needs additional material because there were so many think pieces out there they're like why did danny do what she did right Mm. if they need that to make sense of what is Possibly the defining moment mm-hmm. of this character's yeah. story, you've done fucked up. Mm-hmm. You've really fucked up. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it was, I, yeah, I understand, like, you know, think pieces and trying to, like, yeah, connect all these dots and stuff. It was like, I think even the beginning episode when we were watching it as a group, um, before she went mad or whatever, I was like, wow, they really want us to hate her, don't they? Like, it was so heavy handed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's obvious that that's what they're doing. She's snapping. She's irrational now. Yeah, cool. We got it. Where, where were like the, the seven episodes leading up to that to show me that she got to this point? Where were they? I needed those ones. Well, it, because what happened, it, yeah. Is that like, do you remember in like episode one or two, Danny and Santa have a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a great conversation too. Mm-hmm. Talking about why they should be thanking each other, what they're providing each other. And then coming to that position where they're like, well, this is the impassable. Yeah, impasse, yeah. The impasse, right? Mm-hmm. I compared that scene to, I don't know how well you remember Civil War. We're always talking about the MCU. Mm-hmm. But there's a great scene between Tony and Cap where they're like, almost about, they, they, there's this pen, they're going to sign, the cap's going to sign the accord, they're almost going to mm. fix it, and then they find the point where it's like, well, neither of us can bridge that gap. And it felt like that. And I was like, this is great. This is building up to a really interesting... Yeah, like, I think because it's like, it's not is, coming to a head now. But it's, it's like, going to. oh, we're not going to deal with this now because now is not the time, but we know where each other stand and the tension is just going to rise. Other things will happen. But we as viewers, it's been planted. We know... This is where it's going. Yeah. Beautiful. Doesn't happen again. But it doesn't do it. Yeah, it doesn't, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> but it's like that was that that's the sort of stuff that makes you go, I'm looking forward to seeing this simmer where this mm-hmm. goes. Just doesn't happen. Yeah. The other thing is well. I mean, yeah. so they do all they, I mean, because people will probably mention this, like in that final episode, Aya does say, like, when she's talking to John, like, you know, Sansa will never see it as okay that or ne- never see her as the queen or whatever after what's happened and stuff. It's like but what has happened is so much bigger than Sansa's opinion. Because at that yeah. point, Danny is so fucking strong and powerful. That's not going to be the thing that tips him over the edge. Like, she's done the worst thing. 
John's witnessed her do the worst thing. The fact that Sansa is like, uh-uh, she's not my queen is not going to be the thing that convinces John. Ultimately, if anything, that does, though, is just becomes your sister is the reason you're going to do this. Because Theon has... Tyrion has the same conversation. And before John leaves the cell, goes, mm. think of, your sisters aren't going to bend the knee. Yeah. And it's like, and then that's the die. tipping point. Yeah. yeah. It's not that it's his you motivator. saw... Her do the worst fucking thing, and you, John, the embodiment of really that beautiful Ned Stark that we lost in season one, like you know that absolute righteousness, are somehow justifying this. That conversation with Tyrion is fucking absurd. It goes for so long. The one with John and Tyrion. John and Tyrion. I just keep thinking that's the conversation that should have been had between Varys and Tyrion last episode. Yeah. It mm. should have happened before Danny went. Completely nutso. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's that would have. Don't do it retroactively. <laughs> do it. Do the work like he used to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and just in terms of like it being rushed as well, there are like li- there are scenes that could be whole episodes in the old Game of Thrones. In the last episode, there is a ten minute scene with a bunch of people sitting in tents talking about who's going to be the future ruler of Westeros, mm-hmm. and they deal with that entire massive thing in about 10 minutes with one person talking about in a monologue voting. they in decide monologue. who's king in a monologue from a prisoner and everyone says who was just told to shut up fuck what the amount of like storytelling um shortcuts you were making mm-hmm. that could be a that could be a freaking fantastic episode it could almost be a season by the time you actually think about these people have to talk about this they probably have to go confer with some lords you know think about what this means to them mm-hmm. the stark the the um north wants to leave the kingdom should we leave the kingdom too maybe we want to stay what's it gonna how a trade thing like there is so much to talk about there that would be really fascinating interesting mm-hmm. and instead it's just like oh yeah brand's king now yeah <laughs> fuck it's which like we'll get they're to. Af- it's like they're afraid to bore people I was like, no, look back on the like previous seasons that people fucking loved. Yes, there was always one episode, like a big thing happened and they were great, but they were not the bulk of the season, the stuff that people really connect to, the character building, the mm. political intrigue. That's what we fucking love. So we, if we had a season of more politicking, oh, fuck yes, I'm in. But I don't. Where, do they? Yeah, maybe they thought they were going to bore people. I think they just were done. I, oh, I mean, just obviously, think that Benioff yes, that's and why just they left. But... Get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, they wanted to move on. And that is, I think, for a number of reasons. I think they've been doing this for a long time, and I can't blame them for that. It's weird they just didn't give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. feel like someone like Brian Cogman might have been interested in doing it. He's interested in doing a spinoff show. He'd been writing great episodes. Maybe let him do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or... Yeah, there's just all these things that maybe and like I just don't also don't think they thought they had the capacity to do it. I think there is less talking in this season. There are actually a lot, a few episodes that have very little dialogue because they know they can't do the dialogue that well. Mm-hmm. They're missing that blueprint from George R. R. Martin, and it's yep. it's obvious. But there's another thing about their writing that I want to bring up. This is my favorite article of all the things I've read this week. I want to read this one. Just a, uh, a reasonably extensive passage, similar to what you just did, but mm-hmm. not the whole thing. From an article called The Real Reason Fans Hate the Last Season of Game of Thrones. It's a terrible title. It's yes. a clickbait yeah, totally click yes. title. Mm-hmm. But this is by uh, Zanep Tufekci, I think. T-U-F-E. 
E-K-C-I. Apologies if I've said that wrong. So, I what site have. was it on? Uh, the site is Scientific American. Oh, fancy, boy. Seriously, right? Mm. It's not the sort of place you would normally look for criticism. Well, and I can't believe they've gone for the clickbait uh, <laughs> They've gone. Stuff. Yeah. And it kind of got it's there. It's obviously worked Because for you. then it found its way to me through Twitter. But mm-hmm. anyway, this I'm just going to quote... Some of this article, which has a lot more going th- for it, but I think is a really good summation mm. of what has changed over Game of Thrones in mm-hmm. the last eight seasons. Here we go. At its best, Game of Thrones was a beast as rare as a friendly dragon in King's Landing. It was sociological and institutional storytelling in a medium dominated by psychological and the individual. All right, and this is that's the thesis of this entire thing. Mm-hmm. This structural storytelling era of the show lasted through the seasons when it was based on the novels of George R. R. Martin, who seemed to specialise in having characters evolve in response to the broader institutional settings, mm-hmm. incentives, and norms that surround them. After the show ran ahead of the novels, however, it was taken over by powerful Hollywood showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. What they did is something different, but in many ways more fundamental. Benioff and Weiss steer the narrative lane away from the sociological and shifted it to the psychological. Uh, that's the main and often only way Hollywood and most television writers tell stories. So that's true. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Most of the shows that we love, we talk about how much we love character, mm-hmm. are very sociological driven. Buffy. Uh, psychological? So, psychological driven, sorry. Mm-hmm. Buffy, uh, Parks and Rec, all those sorts of things. It's yes. about knowing the characters, understanding them and their growth and why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. internally. Yes. So, going back to the article. To understand the narrative lane shift, let's go back to a key question. Why did so many love Game of Thrones in the first place? What makes it stand out from so many other shows? One clue is clearly the show's willingness to kill off major characters early and often without losing the thread of the story. Mm-hmm. TV shows that travel in the psychological lane rarely do that because that depends on viewers identifying... Because they depend, sorry, on viewers identifying with the main characters and becoming invested in them to carry the story rather than looking at the bigger picture of the society, society, institutions, and norms that we interact with and which shape us. They can't just kill major characters because those are the key tools with which they're building the story and using as hooks to hold viewers. In contrast, Game of Thrones killed Ned Stark abruptly at the end of the first season after building the whole season and, by implication, the entire series around him. The second season developed a replacement Stark heir, which appeared like a more traditional continuation of the narrative. The third season, however, had him and his pregnant wife murdered in a particularly brutal, uh, bloody way. And so it went. The story moved on. Many characters did not. The appeal of a show that routinely kills major characters signals a different kind of storytelling, where a single charismatic or powerful individual, along with his or her internal dynamics, doesn't carry the whole narrative and experience explanatory burden. In sociological storytelling, the characters have personal stories and agency, of course, but those are also greatly shaped by institutions and events around them. The incentives incentives for characters' behavior come noticeably from those external forces too, mm-hmm. and even strongly influence their inner life. People then fit, fit their internal narrative to align with their incentives justifying and rationalizing their behavior along the way. Thus famous. Thus, the famous Upton Sinclair quip is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. Nearly there. The overly personal mode of storytelling or analysis uh, leaves us bereft of deeper comprehension of events in history. Understanding Hitler's personality alone will not tell us much about his rise, about rise of fasci- fascism, for example. I'm done. Mm. At the very beginning of that article, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, it really is as though the show 
went from historical fiction to fantasy. Yes. Yeah. And totally. so, like, the fantasy elements are always, well, they, they dwindle in quickly, but it's not just about it being, like, I think you can tell that historical drama and have dragons and magic no, and stuff No, that's in not it. what I mean. Sorry. I mean, like, the conventions that yes. are in fantasy. And a lot I don't of, mean fantasy elements. Sorry. Yeah. And a lot mm. of people have compared the ending of this to Game of, to not Game of Thrones, to Lord, Lord of, the of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Because it starts to really shift in that direction, mm-hmm. which seems totally... The opposite of what this show was, it was set up to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, I think this is where people, it's, it's where it upsets me when people say that I didn't like the Danny turn because I was disappointed about Danny going bad. That's not it. Yeah, no. Because characters can have disappointing, tragic endings. And I am completely satisfied mm-hmm. because it makes sense sociologically. In the institutions and the situation around them that got them to this place is why their fate was what it was. And that's what's missing from the Danny stuff. But no, I but I think it also can be done psychologically though. They've they've failed on both fronts. I think you're right about that too. Yeah. Because like obviously like a character evolving into a tragic end can absolutely come from that psychological point of view and that that is that can be satisfying as well. Yeah, I I think they've that yeah, they've failed on both fronts there. Particularly yes. in the in the Danny storyline, I would just want to emphasize: you should definitely read this article. It's extremely insightful, um, and yeah, it's just it's really good explanation of how the show has changed and sort of evolved into what it is now, which mm-hmm. is just a shadow of what it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's just get over and done with. Then let's talk about that Danny moment. Okay. Because I think that's for me that's the sticking point of everything that was going on. That's the point when I really went, damn, this show has just failed us now because it is so important to the story. you got to get that moment right. Mm-hmm. So, what in that moment went wrong, do you think? I, yeah, my, okay, well, in the moment, let's, let's take this back there. And even at like our our physical space where we where we were in the lounge room, mm-hmm. um, a, a group of us, the same group that would watch it every week together, sitting in the dark watching it happen, and you know the the battle is raging, and then the bells off. Everyone stops. stops. Everyone stops. Surrenders. Silence. Amelia Clark does a wonderful job um, of showing. Someone who is deeply hurt, in pain, and enraged. We see her look over at, is it the Red Keep? Yep. Yep, looks over at the Red Keep where Cersei is. And it tracks. Like, you can see, like, okay, she's still fucking furious. She has, you know, fire in her blood. She enraged. She's going to go over and just. I can melt the red keep on top of Cersei. Of course, that's going to happen. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then she flies up and begins to burn everyone. She burns the soldiers and then she continues on through the city. I, and I not, not in a straight line burning people as she goes to Cersei. She is veering up and down every single goddamn street. I just rewatched that episode before I came yeah. here. She doesn't go for soldiers first. She lit, The first thing she fires are running civilians running away from her. Oh, I thought because where she stopped. No, she doesn't. Okay. She literally, she's sort of like, it looks like she's flying, going to fly to the Red Mm. Keep. And then you see people on the ground. And then the first thing she burns are civilians running. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's (laughs) even better. Um, 
And like we were all in shock because – and it's not as though the Mad Queen was beyond our thinking. Of course, we've all thought that – it's mentioned throughout the show that like – It never stops being mentioned. Yeah. Every time a Targaryen is born, the, co- the gods flip a coin, yeah. everybody holds their breath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. We can conceive of that. The problem is not now, not in that moment, not where we had been before. I mean, Amelia Clark had played it and Daenerys, the character, had been shown for a very long time up in the lead up to that as being a good, fair, sometimes irrational, but not violently malicious in a truly sociopathic way, has she ever really acted? Like, it it was just, like, what the fuck is happening? Um, it, it just didn't track. And it was frustrating because you, you, you know the purpose of that. You know why, why you tell that story. You know how you could get there. And they hadn't done that. And so it's like, yeah. you, can't, you can't cheat that. Like, you can't get to the end and expect me to clap you for the journey. Sorry. That's that, like, I've been watching this for, what, nine, ten years. You can't do that It's and expect me to think it's good because it's not. The there's There was a lot of talk about, like, and I think it's true, it's fair, that, like, she has gotten very used to using fire. Mm-hmm. Like, she's really used to roasting people. Yeah. But every time she's done it, Every single time she's done it before this has been leaders and soldiers and people who were in her way in that sense, Mm -hmm. right? She's never, ever, ever used it deliberately on the innocent ever before. Mm -hmm. So, I think there is like a way that like this idea of like a purifying fire that she's releasing people Mm -hmm. from some sort of pain, that she's doing a favor to the civilians there's a way that that might be what she's thinking. But again, she never ever did that beforehand. To get to that to get to that point, mm. if she really thinks they're their, her enemy, they didn't do that either. Yeah. She's always talked about saving the innocents. If she's so sick of like she said that she has no love in Westeros, that um fear is the only option she has. Mm-hmm. They're still the subjects that you always said you didn't want to... Like, these were not things that were prompted by her advisors mm. who were staying next to her who said, no, no, Daenerys, what you mean to say is... Mm. This is her saying, I don't I don't want to be the Queen of Ashes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, there are so many... Th- like, I understand people keep saying, yes, yeah, she used fire and she was like malicious like that. But it's such a massive leap to go from using it on um, the Tarleys who she said, like, you can either kneel before me or die, and they chose to burn. Yeah. And she shouldn't have burned them, but she gave them a choice. Mm-hmm. And and also they were soldiers. <laughs> and they're also soldiers. And you've literally surrendered. Don't give a shit. I'm going to burn you anyway. Yeah. Well, like, what bothers me is that and, like, it would have m- been... ridiculous amount of people too. Like, yeah. thousands and thousands of innocent people. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like... What it's it's frustrating to me because we have a great character like Cersei that we see nothing of this season. Why not simply like we get to actually see her rule and the people actually really start to like the things are going well for her. Awesome, we see that we experience that. Danny comes in, she fucking hates Cersei, kills Cersei, and the people don't like Danny. Yeah, Danny who's like fuck yeah, I've got everything I want and I freed you, and the people are like. 
fuck off. We don't like you. And then she's like slowly like trying to politic. It's not working out for her. And she just like, fuck it. If you don't love me, I'm going to start this nation again and kills everyone. We would have got more Cersei. We got a slow build to Danny fucking losing her mind and killing innocent people. And the advisors around her who have seen her get everything she wants slowly decline and be like, fuck, we made a mistake. Yeah. Something like, oh. It's as simple as that. And it's like, that's a a whole other point I want to bring up is that Cersei is super underserved this season. Mm. It, like, it's they've got to the point where Cersei's in charge and they forgot to tell us what that means mm-hmm. to Cersei, yeah. to the people under her rule. She has, like, she did we all these things We see her staring out a window and then getting fucked by a piece of shit. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> she has a baby that she's pretending is your own Greyjoys and she's, listen, her drinking wine, looking out windows, amazing It's the stuff. best. It's the best. It's my. F- I mean, I wanted Always Cersei to win that. this season. Purely because I love the way she looks out a window and drinks wine. But like, how interesting would it have been to actually see what her rule is like? Maybe it was terrible. Maybe, given the actual chance, she's not that terrible. Mm-hmm. That could have been interesting to see. Yeah. That isn't a complicated relationship that we can hate Cersei because we know that she's only interested in power and herself. And yet, she's not that bad a ruler ultimately and people kind of love her a little bit. And mm-hmm. then what does that say about Danny, who we are meant, who we have sort of been loving for most yeah. of the season, theoretically? I was never that yeah. attached to Danny anyway. Yeah, but- me either. And even if like as we see Cersei, you know, doing an okay job or, you know, even a really good job and we hear Danny constantly... Even manipulating co- her people. Even if they were manipulating yeah, to loving her. What, like, whatever it might be, they love her. Yeah. And But it's just the rhetoric of Danny constantly calling her a dictator and stuff. And we see the opposite side of that. We yeah. like, And we actually like, oh... Danny's actually wrong here and she's just made assumptions. The way that people made assumptions about her and her brother being on the other side of the the ocean and that they should die. Like, she's she's not taking the time to pause and think, yeah, it's mm, something a bit more interesting. An interesting point that someone brought up uh, as well. Do you think that they have implied that she is mad. She is the mad queen. That she has this genetic predisposition to insanity and that is where she's at. Do you think that's what the show is saying or not? Did you see the way she like was drooling over the Iron Throne when she got there? She's like, mm-hmm. yes, my bridges. Another, like, of another, course they're another fucking Lord saying the that. Thing. Okay. Yeah. So isn't that interesting too? Because that's something that the show because someone pointed this out I was listening to uh, Caster Kings, great Joanna Robertson, David Chen, great Game of Thrones podcast. A listener brought this up. It's like Yes, she's done horrible things, right? Mm-hmm. And But so many people have... So many people in power, particularly men, have done horrible things mm. to keep their power. And the idea that they were mad or crazy was never part of it. Yeah. Was never part of the discussion. Robert wanted this little girl on the other side of the world killed. Mm-hmm. And that's we know that's a bad decision. Yeah. We didn't think he was crazy, Walter though. Walter Frey was a fucking douchebag monster. He, yes. But he wasn't crazy. He was just a vindictive asshole. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Stannis Baratheon. Mm. That, the show, when it was still doing its work properly, got us to a point where we watched him choose to burn his own daughter mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. Out of desperation. Yeah. Out of a belief that he was the heir to the throne, much like Danny. Mm-hmm. But crazy and mad and all those things was never talked no. about. It was almost like we saw him find a way to reason what he was doing. And it that was, was a huge part of it, yeah. And the thing that they, I think the show forgets as well, because as you said, shock was a big part of that moment with Danny, right? They deliberately, like, they tried to retroactively explain Danny's thing, but the damage was done by then because... 
The shock was what they wanted. Mm-hmm. When Stannis burnt Shireen, you knew it was going... It's not like you knew two yeah. episodes earlier. Mm-hmm. It started to happen and you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And it was awful and gut-wrenching yeah. and shocking in the sense of it being like awful yeah. to watch without having to be a surprise. Mm. You know what this really kind of reminds me of is it's the whole like Arya Sansa pretending and then like fucking exactly every little finger. Exactly the same. Whereas like you said, if um, Tyrion had had that conversation with Varys beforehand, yes, it's marking to us that this is probably where Danny's going to go. But even like, you know, if you do if you do it correctly, you're like, oh, that's a possibility. Fuck, it'd be awful if it happens. Yeah. And like tension is built there, but you're not guaranteed that. But certainly the tension is building. And then what happens, you're like, oh, not only have it's been signposted, so you're like, okay, it's not coming out of the blue. We have our justifications as to why these people might think that. Yeah. Bam, that works. And it's the same thing like in that yeah, previous previous season with the whole little finger thing, they wanted that shock and it made the season and those characters unbearable for that season because we weren't given the information we needed to make a really good satisfying story. Even Ugh. if just that you she she actually did stop when the bells tolled. Mm-hmm. Maybe she went to attack Cersei. Mm-hmm. Or maybe as you said, people rejected her. Mm-hmm. Or someone attacked her when it was supposed to be a truce. Like any one thing, just yeah. one other element that made sense to push her that little bit further. Yeah. Where it's, it felt like it was going to be avoided. And then and then it's like, damn, we went that one step too far. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and now it's happened. Yeah. And that, yeah. Anyway, I think mm-hmm. we should move on from the Danny thing. Yep, no worries. But it was so upsetting because it was such a pivotal moment. We've talked a little bit about oh, Cersei. Yes, go on. Sorry. Well, we can't move away from Danny yeah. without talking about how she dies. Sure, yes. Um, yes, yes, we do have to talk about that. <laughs> so, obviously, like after what Danny has done, the ex- the like the expectation at that point is then, oh, well, ha- who's going to kill her? Because obviously mm. she has to die. She can't rule. Who's going to put um, her down? That's I mean, if she, she did win and was just like a monster at the throne, that would be kind of cool as well. Like Certainly, it's the my expectations. That could have been cool. But knowing how the show is going, you know then that Danny will die because she is now a baddie. Mm-hmm. Big, capital B, baddie. The third baddie this season. That's it. Um, So, yeah, this, the scene. So, John's had about 17 lectures from a billion people being like, dude, you need to fucking kill her. He's like, no. <laughs> um, but finally, so he's walking along. He's like, hey. She's my queen. Forever. Um, she's like, hey, babe, what's up? She's like, check out my cool new chair. And then she's like, okay, this thing bothers me in particular of this scene. Yeah. A bi- like every scene leading up to that, everyone has been like, dude, she doesn't trust you. Yes. She will not trust you. Yes. And we have seen her express that as well. Yep. So she does not trust you. You will never, like, she's going to fucking kill you as soon as she can. John walks in, he's strolling into the throne room. She turns around, goo eyes immediately. She's like, babe, we did it. Babes, we did it. We're finally here. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Go wherever we want. We're going to fucking rule the world together. Yes. And he's like, oh, can we not kill people anymore? And she's like, fuck, babe, that's all part of the fun. And then lovey, lovey, she's like, fuck, I love you so much. Oh, my God, yes. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I love you too, babe. Stab. I fucking hate that scene because why tell us in every scene before that that she doesn't trust him and then all of a sudden make her this vulnerable lovey-dovey woman just to make it more tragic for John? 
It's just like it was illogical to me. There's a lot of illogical things that have to happen to get here. <gasps> we have to have somehow, like, yes, you see her. She's just des- decided Tyrion's a traitor, sent him to the cells. Mm-hmm. He's been talking with John. She knows that he's got a claim to the throne, mm-hmm. but she lets it, or someone lets him go and talk to Tyrion in the cell anyway. Yeah. That's a bit weird. Why would you let the person that maybe is trying to overthrow you talk with the traitor that you're going to execute later? Mm-hmm. Then she's just hanging out by herself in the throne room. Not a single guard, no grey worm, no anything. But she lets the guard, the one person who might have a claim to the Iron Throne ahead of her yeah. come. It is... I get whiplash yeah. from trying to figure out what Danny thinks of John at any one moment. Mm-hmm. And it is... And they only way... And is she crazed by power or is she not? Because if she's crazed by power, there's no fucking way one he's getting near her or that throne. Yeah. Or wearing any weapons around her at any point. She literally said, fear it is then. Mm-hmm. When he rejected her, yeah. that's all I got now. She's just done a big, you know, Nazi first order, the yeah. Empire talk about how my slave used to be slaves who are trained killers and this other group of people who are born to be warriors are going to we're going to liberate the world I aka rule over and destroy the world because fear is what we have hey babe I love you let's do this together but also no even even in that scene during Nuremberg rally she (laughs) looks looks at him and is like fuck off yeah fuck off (laughs) yeah fast forward five minutes she's like Oh, welcome to my new digs. Then they, what? You know what? Maybe we could have got there, but they forgot the second act again. <laughs> sure. They forgot to put in the middle yeah. bit. Yep, 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 um, yep. I also just, I'm not a big fan of like, I, I think Danny's death being from John is fine. It works. It works for both of them. Narratively, that's a good place in the end. The kind of like, oh, I have to put an old yellow down because yeah. he's got rabies now is really disappointing <laughs> way for Danny to go down, I think. She's crazy now and she just has to die. Um, I just think of her whole journey. And if I'd maybe cared one ounce about their relationship or believed for one second that they had any kind of chemistry, I might have cared um, more. Yeah, that would have helped a lot. But I found that whole scene, the the, I love you, I love you, I love you, kiss, kiss, kiss. I was like, he's clearly going to stab her. Like, I've seen this scene 15 billion times before. And I think it's just a really good example of... These writers just following those tropes, you know, there's nothing particularly groundbreaking here. It's like, oh, that'll look cool. Yeah. So many times during, like, particularly the final episode, the moment. I'm like, oh, okay, they want that. It's like a screenshot. <laughs> they want that moment. They want that yeah, image. That visual. Yeah. Mm. Um, just thinking about other things that didn't work this season with Danny. Yes, the John and Danny stuff doesn't work. They had that stupid flying dragon sequence, and that's them at the height of their love. Yuck. A whole new world. Yeah. Um, I just listened to the album for Aladdin, for the new Aladdin today as well, actually. Was it great? Uh, <laughs> moving on. The And the other thing I want... Again, one of the, all the signposts or the road work to Danny going crazy, one of the things that was there was Jorah dies. Big mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. I love Jorah's death. Thought yes. he earned that well. Do you know what Jorah didn't do this season? What? Advise her once. Yeah. Like, do the thing that, that would have kept her grounded. Prove to me that... He was the difference between, mm. or one of the reasons between her being the potentially brilliant leader that everyone believed in and mm-hmm. her being the version of Danny that we got at the end. Yeah. He literally only ever advises her on one thing and that's he should, that she should keep tearing around. That's it. That's the whole thing. And then we don't even see her mourning for... Like, you could do a whole episode about... 
we see her at the funeral, mm. but then like she could be really upset for yeah. a long time. Well, about that's Jorah. a part of the thing is like you know everyone's like oh you know she lost you know Jorah and all these other people I'm like. Then show me what it means to her to lose Jorah. Not and don't just show me because she's got messy hair and staring out a window. Like no, have it. <laughs> she has Grey Worm's right there. Grey Worm is a soldier. They are both just lost Missendi. I I don't think they did a good job of, of establishing how important Missendi should be to Danny. Yeah, agreed. But we do believe that she's important to Grey Worm, mm-hmm. and he is a fighter and a warrior, and he is going to want to fight. He's her last advisor that she's listening to. Mm-hmm. That could be a really interesting conversation about the idea of force over politics. Mm-hmm. That hasn't worked. We've lost Miss Sende. We have to use force now. He yeah. could be that. I do worry about those optics, though. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying the optics would be good necessarily, yeah. but in terms of actually, that would make sense like for clear those characters. Motivation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just something. Mm. Or even like her having that naturally violent impulse that she has had before and was certainly tempered by people like Jorah mm. asking her to like take a breath. So that natural instinct that she has is just simply like encouraged by Grey Worm being like Because that actually You does, have dragons. Hello. That also mm. works for me. One beat that did work for Grey Worm was when she did start attacking people with the dragons. He, he was, was the like, first one. Yeah. He's like, Yep, let's do it. You're my queen and we yeah. are this is what I do. Let's mm-hmm. do it. I felt Thanks. that. I thought yep. that was fine. And but you know it didn't work for Grey Worm? Mm. Telling Tyrion to shut up and Tyrion, Tyrion, Tyrion keeps talking and then they decide to well, who the king is. Oh, that really didn't bother me. He's like, yes, tell me who the new king is and I'll do whatever they say. What? Why? He, had, what, he what literally the has the power. What does that mean? What is going on? How did Tyrion... How is Tyrion's punishment to be the fucking hand of the king? Yeah, you, know you know how I said we we're going to be trying to be positive? Yeah, I know. <laughs> sorry. But I'm sorry, but Tyrion got Varys fucking killed. Yeah. Fuck you, man. You like he should be punished. Yes. He should and that, I'm sorry, is not a fucking punishment. In no way is that a it's goddamn the thing punishment. He's always wanted. Exactly. It's fucking insane. It's so frustrating. John, honestly, John should never have been captured. That again, it's like the bit that's missing here is what happened after killing Danny? Like, did he turn himself in? Mm. Did someone find him? Did he get... Who took him in? Why didn't they just kill him on yeah, the what spot? If, they were killing everyone. Yeah. And then they run into John, who has just killed their queen. They're like, I think now's the time to take prisoners. Yeah. Let's get our rationale back. Yeah. Doesn't make any fucking sense. At and all. the only way to get away with it is... Get away with it is by not showing mm-hmm. the bit that would have to be hard to write. Because Three weeks later. Yeah. yeah. Um, there have been a lot of... It's one of the best things come out of this season has been the memes. Mm. Meme life, yep. One of the things, the funniest things, and every time I think about it, I chuckle, is like people trying to understand what Drogon was doing at the end there. I know exactly what you're talking about. It made me laugh for a good, I don't know, seven days, yeah. It hasn't even been seven days, and yet. It's like I've travelled through time. It was so funny, yeah. (laughs) We just skipped the middle section. (laughs) Um, The idea that he's either really smart and that he understands that the Iron Throne is the corrupting force that ultimately killed his mum. Or that he... Or the pointy chair killed her. The pointy chair was the thing that killed her. It's the obvious thing in the room. It's a chair of knives and she got stabbed. It must be it. And so he kills it. When that was happening, I think like it was, yeah, really interesting in the final episode, how many times I found myself rolling my eyes. Yeah. And when when that was happening, fucking hell, I I think I threw my hairs up and 
hands up in the air at that point. I was just like, oh, come on. Come it, on. It was even a thing I wanted. I wanted there to be an Iron Throne. I thought that'd be a really mm, interesting yeah. ending for the show. It was just like the Iron Throne is gone. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> um, Very silly. Was there anything about Cersei you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, she was just underused more than anything. And yeah, and I just think the whole her and Euron thing was incredibly disappointing for her character. Very Euron disappointing. fucking sucks. Ugh, what a waste of my goddamn time. He, he, and I want to get to Jamie a second, but we did not need that whole sequence of them on the boat. On the beach, sorry. In that episode, I was like already so stressed and confused and emotional about what was happening. And then... I like a lot is going on in that episode, and then Jamie's walking up, and Euron puts pops his creepy little face around the corner. He's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Kingslayer," and then I'm like, "Am I wasting my fucking goddamn time? This show is almost over. This episode is probably going to be one of the most important of the season, if not the series, because at that point I was like, who knows what's going to happen? And I am watching Euron." Fuck boy, <laughs> fight Jamie, and he thinks he's important. And I'm like, do the the writers think he's this important that I want to fucking waste my time on him? I already assumed he was dead because he doesn't fucking matter. Like, yeah. oh, I was just like, don't stop wasting my time. I was so frustrated by that. I, I like, there's there's something funny about the thing that he thinks he kills the Kingslayer or whatever. Like, if you take it out of context, this delusional moment he has. Maybe there's something there. But I did not want it. Nor um, need it in this show. Mm-mm. He should have died on the fucking boat trying to, to shoot Drogon. Yeah. And that's the end of him. Exactly. Goodbye. Ugh. All done. What a loser. Did not need that moment. And it it did nothing for Jamie or for... It did nothing for Jamie. Mm-hmm. Who's the character we actually have any investment in? Nothing. Yeah. Let's talk about Jamie this season. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about what he had to do? He comes to the north. Mm-hmm. He has to... Um, front up against Bran, the kitty pushed out the window yep. and crippled. Um, he has to front up to Daenerys, mm-hmm. who he killed her father. Mm-hmm. He has to... Eventually, he has decided to fight for the side of the living. Mm-hmm. He's going to fight this war against the White Walkers. He even has these magical moments with Brienne where he knights her, which is... Possibly one of my favorite moments in the did entire show. Did we all show. cry? Of course we did. That bit was fucking amazing. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then after reuniting with Brienne, decides, actually, got to get back to Cersei later. Mm-hmm. Heads back to King's Landing and dies with Cersei. Yep. How do we feel about all that? I like all of the stuff. Yep. Um, up until, so, yeah, I really genuinely like all of the stuff until... It's his second act thing you're talking about. Yes. He yes. sleeps with Brienne. Yes. And then he, he then he has the this revelation that he has to go back to Cersei. He hears I, one sentence from Sansa. He's like, oh, fuck Cersei. Yeah. See, I don't mind him going back to Cersei Agreed. at all. I think that makes a lot of sense for him. Like, that is the love of his life. That is his person in life. Especially that, if he thinks she's going to die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, that makes total sense. I need that process of what he is feeling after that moment with Brienne. This is the first woman he slept with other than Cersei. Like, that's big for him um, to even do that. But, yeah, I need that, like, emotional process. Yeah. Um, They tried to shortcut it with sex just to get to that point. With sex and a single glance. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's off. I don't... 
when I first watched it, it did bother me, the Brienne crying thing and pleading for him to stay. It really did because I was genuinely worried that was the last thing we were going to see of Brienne and I was going to be very upset about that. Now that I know that that is not the case, I'm less upset about that. She, despite the sex, the romantic stuff that is there, what I loved was their friendship. They care about each other and she knows that her friend is is leaving to die with someone that she believes doesn't care about him and that is fucking sad and she is sad and upset for herself and for him yes. and the whole thing and that makes sense to me and I don't have a problem with it. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I agree with all of that. Yeah, I think uh, Nikolai Costa-Walter has been awesome mm, as Jamie. Standing ovation, yeah. Um, Gwendolyn Christie is awesome as Brienne. Standing ovation. And they yep. have done really well by those characters to get them where they are. Mm-hmm. Again, the problem was too many shortcuts did not do the work to really sell me on why Jamie did this such a quick about turn. It's like, mm-hmm. again, I believe it. It's just like this. Yeah. Um, I also want to say there's been some talk. Some people have been disappointed by um, the moment with Brienne writing in the Book of the Nights. Disagree. I, I also disagree. <laughs> I think people, I think on a surface level, out of context, I understand why you want Brienne's. Mm. Brienne to not be defined by Jamie, but Brienne isn't defined by Jamie. No, here. no, no. And I think, like, I think that cheapens the journey that we have gone on with yeah. Brienne. If you think this one instance of the fact that they had sex with each other and he left negates their entire friendship, yes. that yeah. was just something that happened within their friendship. But she loved him as a friend, yep. as a person. That was a very important defining relationship in her life. And she knew that man and she knew that he was brave and that he was more than more than what everyone else saw of him. And she saw – and they have had conversations about how he knew the world saw him and how much that affected him. One of the best scenes in the entire show is them in the bath. Exactly. And so this – what a perfect way to end that – to honour her friend, to end that relationship in the finale is to have her sit in that – sit on that table – sit at that table and write in that book and write his story from someone who truly knew him and yep. knew that he was incredibly brave and a hero. Yep. And you, yeah, and you think about all the things that have to happen for her to get there. She can only do that because she's a knight now yep. because he did that for mm-hmm. her as well. They they did this for each yep. other. They they did so much for each other and this is the it's, it's not about Brienne in that moment. I mean it is a little bit, but it's it's about capping off Jamie's story. We everyone's like, "Oh, they've undone all this like work they did with his arc, it's like, that's not the point. He did get better, mm-hmm. but he just had this fatal flaw that got him in the end. Yeah. But that doesn't and negate okay. all the other stuff. That's yeah. okay too. It mm-hmm. doesn't negate all this other stuff. Yeah. And Brienne's like, still around. She's on the yeah. fucking, the, the small council mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Like. The thing's like, yes, that relationship with Cersei is toxic and that's sad. But at the core of Jamie is that, he has a deep capacity to love and care about people. That's how he was able to grow and do so many of the things that he did in the seasons that we were with him. And that love is, yes, it's part of the reason why he dies. It's part of the reason why he can't let go of Cersei. It has a toxic result, but it doesn't come from a toxic place. Yep. And like, and that's like, this show's great when we're dealing with complicated characters. Yes. And it's all good. Yeah. I'll tell you what did piss me off about Jamie's story. Mm, yep. Was it's one line. I know what you're talking about. It is the so dumb. It does not make any sense for it to be there. He says to Tyrion in the Bells, episode five, before Tyrion releases him to go to Cersei. Mm. To be honest, I never cared much for them, innocent or otherwise. Such a lie. 
bullshit. And, and we know it's a lie. You said he, it's a lie. Is he lying? Is he trying to lie to Tyrion at that point? Or is that just not true of the character? Well, okay. Well, that's the question is, okay. So, it could be one of two things. The writers did a whoopsie. Yeah. And and just forgot who Jamie is and his history and what actually happened when the Mad King was screaming, burn them all. And Jamie was like, no, and did a very brave, noble thing. <clears throat> or two, the character was meant to be lying or being facetious or whatever it might have been to Tyrion and being flippant with Tyrion about that. And the performance didn't portray it. Was it the performance? Or like, it could be the direction too. Like- that, that too. So... For me, it seemed as though the writers did a whoopsie mm-hmm. and wrote um, a line that was just untrue mm-hmm. um, as opposed to perhaps a bad performance or direction. But I, d- I don't know. Because what I was trying to figure out in that scene is why he'd be lying to Tyrion. <laughs> unless, he, exactly. unless he doesn't want Tyrion to let him go because it's almost like being stopped here is going to sa- save him from doing something that he can't help himself from doing. But he knows he'll do if you're given the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Is that what he was doing? He was trying to say, Tyrion, he's trying to communicate to his brother. It's like, I know you think you're doing the right thing by letting me go so here. so layered. But and don't. the writers haven't had that kind of nuance That's for thing. a long time. So if I don't That think was so. in there. It wasn't on the page and it wasn't in the performance at all. Yeah. So instead, it feels like a whoopsie. And mm-hmm. it's like, this guy literally two episodes earlier or three episodes, episodes earlier, I promised to fight for the living. I intend to keep that promise. He knights Brienne because it matters, because he really cares about his vows. That matters to him. That's why Kingslayer is so fucking tragic. Exactly. He did the right thing. He was seen as disloyal. It ruined his reputation for the rest of his fucking life. But he did it because he cared about his role. He was there, yes, to like look after the king, but he lived his entire life in King's Landing. He cared about the city and he didn't want everyone to fucking die. Yep. Let's talk about... (laughs) The brand of it all. The what? The brand of it all. The what? King Bran the Broken. Who? <laughs> uh, so, we get to this point. Daenerys is dead. Tyrion comes out. There's a bunch of people from all the most powerful houses of Westeros having a bit of a chat in a tent. And they're going to decide then and there who should... Because that's apparently how this happens now. They're going to decide then and there who's going to be the king play a game of, of spin Westeros. the bottle. <laughs> they as well have. Done a fucking lottery. Mm-hmm. And instead of talking about, I mean, they do bring up the idea of democracy for a second, which gets laughed down, which is kind of funny. And Edmund Tully stands up and everyone's like, well, mm. Sansa's particularly is like, uncle, please sit. And it's a great dunk on Edmure. And that's very is, funny. Yeah. Um, but rather than discuss maybe the million and one different ways this could go down, Tyrion gives a speech about how Bran is the best person to be king because he's got a great story. He's got the best Story and stories are important. I think there is I'm an, shaking my head. There yeah. is an argument in there for the idea of Bran being king, or it may be on the small council because he's kind of an encyclopedia of the world's knowledge and like mm-hmm. very useful to have. If you have the history of Westeros in front of you, you can learn from those mistakes and avoid them. But the idea that comes up in this that he is somehow has the best story, which is important. Mm. Aya. Better story. Everyone's Snow, got a better, better story. story. Than Tyrion, Bran. better story. Sansa. He's notoriously story. the most boring part of Game of Thrones. Fucking best story. It is Fuck so you. hard to understand in what capacity Bran has any any sort of 
features that would make him a good leader. He mm. is a robot that has told us he is not human. That he isn't really Brand he, Stark he's anymore. Not, he's said like multiple times, oh, I'm not really here. Yeah. Not a great way to rule is constantly in the fucking past daydreaming. Anyway, I've got a question. Yeah. So, I wasn't sure about this, but I've seen on the internet recently that like Brand like sees the future as well. Maybe. Right. And it's, he, it's and, very murky. And obviously he can walk. Yes. And it's kind of implied at the end that he can walk into Drogon. Well, yeah, they're suggesting he's going to try and find Drogon, yeah. Yeah. So, mm. here's the thing. If he can see into the future, he knew that telling John yes. would then make yes. John tell Danny because John is John. Yes. And obviously you can see this. Danny gets mad. Yep. Both literally and figuratively. She gets mad. Burns down King's Landing. King's Landing, which apparently if he can walk into Drogon, could have just stopped, mm-hmm. but does that. And then just happens to be made king. Is Bran the biggest villain of, of yeah. them all? Now, I've seen this, and it's an interesting idea because he does say, because he's sort of said along the way, it's like, I don't want to be Lord of Winterfell. I can't be Lord of Winterfell. I can't I be all these I want to things. be king, bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's what he meant. And the then when he says, it's like, when they're like, you know, do up for this, he's like, why do you think I'm here? Like, why do you think I came all this way? It's like, shit, Bran, did you plan this to happen? Is this what you're doing? I think he planned it. No, I don't think... I think I that's... I think he planned it. I think that's a really fun way of looking at it. I really don't think that's <laughs> in the script whatsoever. I don't think it is either. But I need this show to be no. more interesting than it is. No. So, I'm going to say Bran is evil. No. Bran is pure evil. I mean, he killed Hodor. What's more evil than that? It's a really fun concept. <laughs> There is it. I as fun as it is. I though, think it's just like logic holes in the story more yeah. than anything. Yeah, that's exactly. Which what is it what is. makes me laugh. Which makes me go, "No, that's that's it, writers. That's what you've written." So he's evil. Man. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, uh, but otherwise, but on a more serious note, um, Bran is not a character. No, he hasn't done anything for seasons now. He didn't do anything this season. He, he walked a, out. He when... literally doesn't have a personality. Yeah. I don't give the. F- Give a fuck if he's king. What a stupid way to end it. Ugh. So you were suggesting like this, like the facetious suggestion is that he's like built up this amazing like Rube Goldberg machine to get to the point where he's, he's king, like, right? Like um Xavier. What's his name? Mr. Doctor Who's it? Wheelchair Bald. Oh, X-Men. Professor X. Show Thank us. you. Professor. Sorry, I thought he was a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Professor X, in which like, you know there's that theory. About Professor X, he's like he's so smart and like control everyone and read everyone's minds and stuff. That X Men is just like a continuous game he plays by like sure. setting up all these characters to like battle each other. It's just I like heard that theory, yeah, kind of like, like masturbatory. Like yeah, I've, I'm so smart and bored. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I I mean, would I kind of like that to be a thing with Bran? Sure. My other way of looking at it is that mm. like he's sort of Bran is sort of like a uh, puppet monarch that's been put in place now, right? Like a figurehead. Like a figurehead. Like an empty figurehead. Empty figurehead. It's kind of a computer they put there, Mm -hmm. right? But like- I am your king. The people who are like really making decisions, it's like what's a better king to have if you want to actually rule Westeros than Mm. choosing a king who you can both figuratively and literally push around. Do you know what I mean? Like he is Mm -hmm. the perfect- 
figurehead monarch to have so the small council can make all decisions. He's just a symbol. He's just a symbol. Except that he has all this power, apparently. I don't know. Is he bullshitting about that stuff? It's like he knows everything, but he doesn't know where Drogon is. He's going to try and figure that out. The brain thing is really frustrating and stupid and laughable. It is hilarious how bad a decision and how badly um, justified it is within the show. It's terrible. That one scene. I mean, I think that says it all. The fact that like, let's not dwell on this. Let's just do one scene of it. And then, yeah, Tyrion said all the things, so it's okay. And it's not okay. And Grey Worm's just like, yeah, cool. That sounds fine. So and also Jon Snow. We don't need to kill him. We'll just send him to the wall. Why? Why wouldn't... Of course Grey, Grey Worm would want him dead. He would never be satisfied. He doesn't know what the fucking wall... Like, like what a punishment that is for people. He's from a totally different land. I think Grey Worm got fucked over big time. Oh, I think it was ridiculous. all a big ruse to and like this, just release John. This into idea the North that punishment for John is not being to have, have like a wife and family. You're talking to a guy who's a fucking eunuch who's been a soldier his whole <sighs> life. He's like, oh, that's my life. What a terrible punishment. No, he'd want the guy fucking dead. It's so dumb. And and then he just rides off into the beyond the wall anyway. He's like, no, actually, I don't think I should be punished. I'm off. Gallop, gallop. I think that was the plan. I think that was that was the the Stark plan. Yeah, they had three representatives on that council for some reason. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what do we think? We haven't talked about this at all yet. What do we think of the White Walker resolution? We've been building since scene one, episode one of this show, the threat of the White Walkers. I liked it. That, like, yep. Go on. <laughs> You've sort of interrupted my flow. There we go. Sorry, that's go, fine. Go. No, no, that's all right. Why did you like it? What did you like about what they did with the White Walkers? Um, because I've never been interested in the White Walkers. I don't. Yeah. I like. I mean, that's not it for me. That's never been it for me. I like just kind of this thing in the background that was impending that kind of gave us a time limit, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a really great idea to have this great big battle, and then beyond that, okay, let's get back to the thing that is actually being what we've been concerned with for the previous seven seasons or six seasons. Um, you know, is Who's going to rule the Iron Throne? That's what I care about. Like the politicking, all of that stuff. So when that episode happened and we defeated the Night King and all the Whites and stuff, the White Walkers. Called it, by the way. You did. Well done. Episode three. Very happy with that. Um, Yeah, I was like, cool. All right. Let's let's move on. And Mm -hmm. And I thought that episode was great. Am I very disappointed by then what followed i thought we'd hit that and then we'd have a great rest of the season that's what i hoped i remember we talked about this that we, that episode itself i was like you yeah. i was i loved it and the aria stuff and all that mm-hmm. with that loved it agreed um the <laughs> we talked it when we watched we saw the trailer for this season and that's when we started theorizing what was this season mm. be like you're like what if the whole season just cersei drinking wine it's like well, that kind of happened that did happen yeah <laughs> For better Called or worse. <laughs> and like I was like, you know what? I think the White Walker's going to be done by episode three because then we can focus on the Cersei of it all. Mm. We didn't, but... We did, but we didn't. Mm. It's like that happened, but it didn't happen well. No. <laughs> it's very, very disappointing to me. There are some people, I think, who really built up... Like you and I, I think, both agreed for a long time now. The White Walkers are boring, you know? They... I understand the existential threat that comes from the White Walkers, but they they have no character. They have no real motivation. They just are death. And so they come and they kill and they dead fight and, you know, whatever. 
So I think we were happy to sort of just see that like done, move on. We there have been some consequences from that, but we move on to the next mm-hmm. more important stage. Did you think you? Some people have felt that the White Walkers are kind of pointless at the end of that. In fact, they felt that many elements of the show that they thought were important are now pointless. The prophecy of Azor High, the prophecy or the prince that was promised because they never said Azor High in the show. I don't think the prophecies surrounding um, Cersei, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? I mean, I don't think everything has to like have a not that it doesn't have a point, but it doesn't have to come full circle. Correct. I is think the thing. Especially in this show. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if we're talking about like a historical fiction, you know, people have their beliefs and people can, you know, have their own yeah, spiritual beliefs or whatever it might be, and they might believe in prophecies and stuff, but that doesn't mean that they come true yeah. if you base your story in reality. They don't have to. Um, so I can understand why people are f- frustrated. I think that's certainly a something that we have come to expect from yeah. story, and that's okay, and I think that um, being upset about that is totally valid, but I didn't have those expectations. I didn't put too much weight into all of those prophecies. Um, I didn't put too much weight into the White Walkers because what the show had been before was, it was never about that at all to me. Like I thought that was quite clear that it was never going to be about that, but maybe it wasn't to other people. Um, Yeah, I think so. Because some people have suggested that like it was meant, they felt like it was meant to be like ultimately crown and the throne doesn't matter the white walkers are the real threats like well then if that had happened then all the bullshitting around the throne would have been pointless mm. it's like need they you can't have both unless they found a way to merge them well but they, that wasn't going to happen i don't think um and i think just think about things like rob stark right they built him up mm-hmm. and then like yeah he played his part and i think the white walkers are a similar thing they were built up mm-hmm. it wasn't as important as you thought it was going to be it had its impact it just wasn't the be-all, end-all mm-hmm. that maybe you were deceived and thinking it was. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think if perhaps... Um, so, because, yeah, if you think of what happened with Rob was that, like, you thought he was going to be really important, um, <clears throat> a real contender for the throne, and then his death happened. So, I was like, oh, well, what was the point? I was like, what was the point was then, like, all of the reactions from everyone around, all of the characters that we know and love. So if the White Walkers, perhaps what had happened to them had really, truly damaged Danny's forces considerably, then like that is a, like, um, there's like consequences from that. But I I understand if people feel like there was a battle and yes, like a couple of characters died, not nearly as many as we thought. It was kind of like, oh, well, what was the point? It was like a battle that really was of no consequences. That's the issue, I think. I mean, at the time in the episode, it felt like the Dothraki were wiped out. Yeah, me too. It really felt like they were all gone. It felt, And then Mm. yet... There was so many of them left even after the Battle of King's Landing. Thousands and thousands. It's just, it was mm. so inconsistent and hard. It's yeah. like, I don't understand any of those logistics anymore. Yeah. Uh, do you think anyone fared particularly well or who? what what worked this season for you, I guess is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Santa stuff. I thought Santa was good, consistent, smart. Um, what else did I like? <laughs> 
I agree with Santa. I think Santa, apart from, I'm a little bit iffy about that conversation she had with the hound, where she sort of implied that she's kind of like happy that she got abused the way she did because now she's not a little bird anymore. Right, no, I don't think she implied that she was happy that that happened. I think that's... Exactly what she said? That's overreaching. Oh, you don't think that's what no, she said? No, she didn't say that she was happy that it happened, that it made... Absolutely not. I'm trying to find the exact quote because I think it's there. Without Littlefinger and Ramsay and the rest, I would have stayed a little bird all my life. Doesn't say she's happy about that. Okay, I don't know. The way, the way because it was... I think what he say? Uh, the hound said something like, you've come a long way, little bird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think there's a better way to phrase that that didn't sound so much like, well, I'd hate to be a little bird anymore. Yeah, I, I understand like the like the complications around a statement like that, mm. but I think oversimplifying it like that is not helpful. I, I don't think that's... that's I don't think that's what she was saying. I think it's the same problem then as the um, Jamie thing. It's like... Say what you were meant to, what you were saying. Yeah, then. totally. Like, be a little yeah. clearer about that. Yeah, like she is incredible. What happened to her was not good in any way, but she is incredibly strong now, and she is she is thankful to be strong. She's not totally. She's not thankful for what for how she had to get there. But yeah, that's and, how I see and it. Yet she I brings under- up specifically without Ramsey and this and that. I I, I, be I understand that, but Ooh. and I understand why people would be like, "Fuck, that's like." Mm, that's a tough thing to say. Like that's kind of sending a weird message. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that the reaction to that was pretty extreme in my opinion. I just, it's been tough with Sansa ever since they gave her rape scenes yeah, importance to fucking, fucking Theon. Raped her. Yeah, it was awful. Like that was, they've, that's they've why there should be a woman in the fucking room. There hasn't been one since season three. Yeah. And there was that two. great um, meme with Brienne. Did you see it? No. The picture oh, the of first Brienne, liner. yeah, <laughs> the picture of Brienne riding like Jamie's, um, not epilogue. His no, it's like his epitaph deeds. or whatever. His deeds. Um, yeah, riding that, and it's like, oh, this is the first woman to ride on Game of Thrones since season three. Damn straight. <laughs> Which made me laugh and laugh and laugh and we laugh. We didn't even talk about the small small council scene and how bronze on that and how so awful. Sam has helped to write the Song of Ice and Fire book because stories are really important. Guys, did I just say like fuck Bron? Like, I, I didn't need to see him again. Like, he has not been likeable, important, anything for a long time. I'm not interested in him. I enjoy Bron enough. He did not need a place in this story. He should no. have He should have died. Mm-hmm. At back, the, back in the day. Back when, during the, um when he saved Jamie when yeah, Daenerys attacked Lannisters. The train one, yeah. Just should have died then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, who else, who fed well? Uh, yeah, Sansa's a big one. Arya. Arya, Arya fucking killed. Fucking not just killed the Night King. Had a really good story. Again, they rush the end with her a little bit. They have that oh, weird did they moment just? with her and the Hound. Where it's like they got this close to Cersei, and then he's like, <sighs> "You know what? Don't be like me." He goes to leave, and she's like, "Wait, I just wanted to look at you one more time." And then he left. Like he his, like, like his this. Was uh, fuck that pissed me. <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh my god, what an incredible moment!" Like. Yeah, if they'd done the fucking work. Yeah. Sorry, but you can't like go through the city like, like all right, I'm going to kill this bitch, going to kill this bitch. And all of a sudden, for no reason, the guy turns around and goes, nah, you don't want to kill her because walked- then you'll be like me. And then she's like, you're right. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like, n- you've given me nothing. What the fuck are you talking about? And then the slow turn around and like they look at each other. And she's like, thanks, Sandor. I was like, fuck, like, oh, so heavy-handed. They've cringe, ridden, cringe. 
in an episode, ridden the entire King's Road together, and they couldn't have that conversation <laughs> before they arrived in King's Landing? Yeah. What Jeez. the hell? But overall, Aya was given great stuff to yes, do. Still feel like the whole... <clears throat> uh, she could have done more with the whole I can wear people's faces thing. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. Maybe. Particularly since we spent so long, so much <laughs> of my goddamn time learning that skill. We did get that great moment with Walter Frey at the start of last season, but... <sighs> Fuck, that was dope. So good. Mm. But, but, that being said, yeah, just... Mm. Um, I'm trying to think who else might have fared well this season. We've already talked that we like the Brienne stuff. Yep. Um, Sam, fine. Happy with Sam's, where Sam ends up. Sure. Pod, sure. Sure. See, a lot of the main players. Gendry, sure. Sure. Um, uh, I kind of even don't mind John. I just wish he was more actively involved in the story in a way. Like, I think where he I ends up. The, the Starks I wish he in had, general. like, there were different levels. It's just yeah, the yeah. same. It's He literally says one line the entire. He says goes, two like, things. I don't, I don't want, want it. it. And she she's is my, my queen. queen. <laughs> that's all she says. That's all he says all season. It's um, boring. That's all he's got going yeah. over. Uh, also, I, I think it's worth we should mention that amongst all of that, and while there was way too much emphasis on spectacle over the storytelling, the fight, the long night, is a really, really great tense episode. Absolutely. Really well paced battle. I loved it. Really great. I was on the edge of my seat. I fucking loved it. Yep. Ends fantastically. That ending bit like the last 10 minutes or so when the score kicks in it's like that piano bit it's very Westworldy, but mm-hmm. like that just some of the sound comes out of it john's walking through a winterfell the bodies are falling around him mm-hmm. and then like the bit with the ice dragon yeah. and like there, there are a lot of plot holes about that battle as well about how that whole battle went down stuff but mm. ignoring that the way it was shot the visceral nature of it the action is really fantastic the mm-hmm. moment with Arya and the night king is Mwah! Brilliant, the iconic, fantastic. The moment with um, Aya and the was it late Red Lady or whatever. Oh, and uh, Melisandre, yeah. Fucking cool. Very Just cool. Very, yeah, awesome. That I was loved a, seeing her again. That was yeah. a good use of like minimal dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. Like they they referenced that right, and you understood what was going to happen next. Yeah. And while it was still, you don't understand how it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't shock you when Arya showed up too much. It was like <gasps> it was like mm-hmm. relief, surprise, yeah. exhilaration. Yeah, it was the right use of that. And then also the King's Landing battle, um, when Daenerys is going ham, well, the motivations for it did not work. The execution of it is pretty great, especially Arya running through that, is that devastation. That is a great sequence. Like, yeah. if you want to talk about the evils of war and the horrors of war and, like, essentially what is a WMD, like, mm. there's very much Hiroshima... Nagasaki, 9-11 imagery in there. Like, really, really excellent. Mm. Excellent stuff. Um, Miguel Sapochnik, A-plus to you, sir. You did what you were tasked with doing mm-hmm. extremely well. Yeah. Could this season have ever lived up to the hype? Do you think it's possible that this season could have worked out? Yeah, of course. Do you think it could have worked out after what we got in season seven? Um, not with the amount of episodes they had. No, the, the amount of time they gave it. No. Time, do you think time was the biggest enemy? Yes. Ta- that and running out of book. Like, mm. I think they were great adapters of the book. They were never great writers in their own right. Agreed. Stuff started going wrong when they had I, th- I think I absolutely, 100%, this, I think this story could have had a satisfying ending in whatever form that might take. Tragedy, happy, whatever. 
absolutely could have had a really satisfying ending. Probably needed, definitely needed more time and new writers. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, but unfortunately we didn't get those things. I I do think there's something fundamentally very difficult about the nature of this story. I've seen some comparisons recently that I love to people talking about like how some of the things that they try to do in this end of this season, Avatar did very well. You know, some characters who go evil, some characters and go crazy and like all these sorts of things. The problem with that is they are fundamentally trying to do very different Mm -hmm. things. And so Avatar was always set up to have a very, very satisfying ending because it was built into a very familiar hero's journey sort of story, right? This, on the other hand, is trying to break the mold, or at least it was for a long time. And so I'm not sure how successful the top level Mm -hmm. could have been in terms of satisfying. It certainly could have been better than this, though. No, I think, like, yes, it's it's an... I with where we were going, I, I think it would have been very hard to keep up this like subversion of expectations and finish really well with but if you wanna go the the typical story notes, the typical hero's journey, whatever you want to do, you can do that. And they could have done that. But even in like trying to like, you know, not break the mold, they did it so badly. Like they could have done like an avatar thing, but and really enriched their characters and and done that stuff and taken us along for the ride. It's that whole like, okay, if you have abandoned the sociology side of it, then really get into the psychology. And they didn't do that. At least you could at least make it satisfying on an emotional level. It could have been. I just don't. I just think there's no way you could have been. You kind of started this journey and got to that ending and gone. That made that tracked. Do you know what I mean? Even if you I think once you start making that change towards more uh, psychological or more um, like recognizable narrative, mm-hmm. you uh, you've really changed fundamentally what the story was about. It, to the, I, I I really doubt you could have done it if you've. Well, they have done it. That's what I mean. It didn't work, and they couldn't. Yeah, but, I think it could have worked with time. But it didn't. No, it didn't. It for me, it didn't work because. The character wasn't there. They didn't like. They tried to do that, but in a really cheap, quick, nasty way. If they had taken the time to like show me Daenerys going mad, mm. to show me Jon's hero journey realization that like who Danny really is, sure, absolutely. I think that that could have been fine. Would it like looking back on season one? I was like, oh, okay, this show has evolved into something different. Sure. But I know many shows that have done that and I've been okay with it. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I didn't really like Clegane Bowl because like I wasn't emotionally invested because the mountain was a fucking zombie and who cares? Yeah. Like, if it was, like, the two brothers fighting, sure, but the mountain isn't himself. It's not him, so I, they yeah. They gave him a little bit of agency back, but Clegane Bowl is basically just gone. fan service. Yeah. And it's the way it, it was... It looked cool, but it looked like a video game. But that's all it was really doing, <laughs> was looking cool. Yeah. And just leaning into that part of the show. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, do we have any thoughts on Coffee Cup Gate at all? I don't know. Google it. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> it was... It was funny at the time. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was a lot of also talk about, obviously, how dark the long night 
mm. uh, episode was. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't know uh, what people are talking about. I gotta tell you, I still like. I still think I know what the uh, DOP is saying that it was lit well, but I I think having tried to watch it multiple times. It is really, really dark mm. and often hard to see, especially over streaming where there's compression things. They try yeah. to make it like lower bit rate so it streams faster. And I think it really struggles because of that on Blu-ray 4K. I think it's going to look great mm. in the right situation. I think it is pretty dark. I don't um, think it, it – like at no point was I was like I, I knew what was going on the entire time. It, it was look, meant to be done. I don't like. I really don't understand ugly the problem at times because of the muddiness nature of all that. Because mm. once it goes dark and there's less information there, and when once you start to go a lower bit rate to make it stream, mm. the, it just becomes right. big black blocks and right. it just loses the detail. And so it's not just that it's hard to see; it's that it actually looks r- ugly to oh, watch. Okay, right. I, uh, that's what I found yeah. anyway. Um, the legacy of Game of Thrones has this season ruined the show for you? How do you feel about the show overall? No, this season hasn't ruined the show for me. I I loved watching Game of Thrones. I had it gave me so much joy over the years. I really appreciate everything that they have done, the incredible stories they've told. Um, no, it hasn't ruined it, and I'm I'm happy that I spent the time watching it. It was a great time. It was excellent. It was excellent to do it together. We do wonder if there'll ever be a show like Game of Thrones again now in this streaming age mm. where we'll be able to do appointment viewing and sort of watch it together as a collective Well, we've community. decided on a new show we're going to be doing it for. We're going to be doing it for. We're going to try oh, and Oh, you mean like the culture as a whole? Right? I mean, in general, like mm. this is, this might be the last great one of those because so much is now being binged, basically. It's mm. being released all at once and so forth. But yeah, this hasn't ruined the show for me in general, I think it's a pretty disappointing ending for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm if disappointed, you- but I don't want to like, be one of those people that's like, it's fucking ruined by childhood. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's take a breath. If you want to feel good about the show again, there was a great thread getting around on Twitter the other day that had like 52 minute 20 clips just like of some of the best mm. moments from the show. And my fucking God, there are some good moments in this show. Guys, we had so much fun. It's for this so show good. For so long. Like, that's great. And it's really, I mean, this is a show that's very rewatchable for a long, lot of it, for when it was in its best, those first four or five seasons. Mm. Very rewatchable. Like, really good. And you'll, I wonder how much I'll get more out of it now if I went back and watched it again. I'm mm-hmm. kind of looking forward to a rewatch eventually. Uh, least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Uh, what was it, episode four? The one before the bells. Um, the one after the battle. Yep. That yep. is called The Last of the Starks. Yeah, I think like, so I really enjoyed the battles. Like, okay, that chapter's closed. Now we're moving on to something sick. Um, didn't get that. We've, yeah. I mean, I, it's probably the least memorable mm-hmm. to me. It's this awkward transition period uh, and made me really go... Oh, I'm a bit bit worried now. I'm a little bit worried. So, yeah, it's probably my least favourite. What about you? Uh, my least favourite is episode five, The Bells. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in the sense that it's the episode that made me go. It's gone. I think it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that was it. It was like, mm. um, while well, I had trepidations coming up to this, you know, episode two was great. Episode three was really good, that battle. Mm-hmm. Episode four had some good moments when they're in the dinner stuff. I enjoyed a lot of that. Um and then that that moment with Danny, it just like uh, we've stuffed it. Mm. Like I was, I checked out. I checked out in a lot of ways at that point. 
Yeah. I think like I could have given it to the last episode, but I just decided that like I'd given up that the show could be as good as it needed to be. Yeah, at that point. I think like there were some cool shots and stuff and Brilliant, moments amazing in the fight in the final one. I mean, like oh, got sure. that sweet Danny scene, and then I think the justification of what Danny did from Tyrion was really important yes. <laughs> and probably that's something you needed. So yeah, I totally understand why you choose the bells. Uh, favorite episode. I'm going with the long night. Is that what it's called? Long yeah, night? episode yeah. three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought like. The, like the showrunners have shown that they can do that, that kind of spectacle really well. Mm-hmm. And so for this season, they had a huge spectacle episode. This was it. My heart was in my throat the whole time. Um, I seen Aya do what she did. The great moment, like seeing her fight alongside the hound mm-hmm. and her moment with the red woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, uh, pretty much everything that – that, the Red Woman. Is that her like title? No, Sandra. Yeah, yeah, the Red Woman, yeah. I can never remember her name because it's similar to... The Lady similar of Red. To, no, it's the Red Woman. It's Masinde. Masinde is the... I get them confused. Amela Sandra, um, yeah. Anyway, so. so everything like she did I thought was fucking sick. All those people from SLC and San Diego. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, everything she did was awesome. I, I just thought it was a cool episode. And like when it finished, like I got out of my seat and like clapped. I was like... Fuck, that was an exciting, exciting hour of television. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Uh, episode two, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Breakfast Club episode. Yep. I Again, I've rewatched all of these during the week leading up to the finale. Just to sort of do not because we didn't take notes while we watching as a group. Mm. And man, I enjoy this episode so much. And a lot of it's just good to do with that it's got a lot of what I we loved Game of Thrones for to begin mm. with. Two people talking in chat, rooms chat, chatting. and sometimes outside, but mostly <laughs> in rooms. Mm-hmm. And it was great dialogue. Brian Cogman knows how to write these characters. He'd said before the season that this was like his love letter to the original sort of feel for the show. Yeah. And it shows, man. Mm-hmm. And that Brienne being knighted scene might oh, be my- fa- It's definitely my favorite scene of the season. Might be my mm. favorite scene of the entire show is. Whoa. Fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. And exactly I what I wanted. I you said earlier that Tyrion- when he goes mad, like... That's my favourite episode. Oh, I thought you said that was your favourite scene. Favourite. Uh, it is one of my favourite scenes. It's not my right. favourite scene. Okay. It was just in the, at the in that time, in that mm. period, it was so good. Yeah. Um, no, the Brienne stuff was perfect. Yeah, uh, What now? There's spin-offs planned, apparently. We're getting this Naomi Watts one. Um, eventually, that's apparently set during the Age of Heroes. So, theoretically, at the time that the Night King is made. Are you interested? Do you want to see it? I'll wait for reviews. I'm not like gagging reviews. for Reviews. You want like not even like a trailer and like just watch the first episode because it's... No, I'm going to wait for reviews. Yeah. I, I wow. need to know how the like whether the writing's any good. Different creative team. It won't be Weiss and Benioff. Yeah, I know. But I need to know if it's good or not before I invest any more time. Because Weiss and Benioff are making Star Wars movies. Something to look forward to. Uh, Brian Cogman. The third head of game of the Game of Thrones sort of writing team will be consulting. This came out today on Amazon's Middle Earth series. That's cool. very That's exciting. exciting. Then there's Westworld season three, just coming out, which I think HBO wants to replace. You game showed of me the trailer. I was like, oh, should we? I was like, fuck no. You was you were sucked in. You moron. Aaron Paul's not enough to get you in. You absolute more. I can't believe you're falling for it. How could you? Uh, it's like and- you forget being hurt so easily. <laughs> And uh, his dark materials, the uh, mm. adaptation his, that looks pretty good. Yeah, like I'm psyched for that. that. That's the series we decided we're going to do. Yes, we're going to be watching group. that week to week. 
Thank you very, very much for listening to this really long episode of Hunting Seasons where we did exactly the opposite of what I said and really <laughs> got into the nitty-gritty nitpicking of it. But, you know, it's therapy for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find more. That's This is sums up the show, really. 100 episodes and... This is what you get. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Uh, and also, our theme song and our bumpers come from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskimu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Now, my settings are on private at the moment because I'm doing placement teaching. Um, but, you know, just just click a follow. I'll double check that you're not one of my students and then you'll be approved. Um, and if, you, if you've got comments or uh, you got want to say something about what we've said about this episode, maybe you think differently to what we did, we'd love to hear it. We may discuss it in our off-topic, hot-topic episodes. Next uh, review episode... We'll be back in two weeks to discuss Barry Season 2. I cannot wait because all I've heard trying to dodge spoilers like raindrops. Oh, anytime forward. I see Barry in someone's like tweets, I'm spinning right past that one. Nope, nope, nope. I the, don't want spoilers. Let's just say the general feeling around is very positive. Sweet. Which is good. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. I've just gone through my um my first two paragraphs of my spoiler-free review. Yeah. Full of spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Wait a second. Literally in the first sentence, I mentioned John killing Danny, Jamie and Cersei being crushed by rubble, Bran becoming king, and Sansa as queen of the north. No, that's not just some spoilers. That's all the spoilers. You ruined the show. <laughs> I'm so tired, clearly. I'm just like, yeah, no, this is a spoiler-free review. Fucking hell. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.